the back corner <laughs> when I'm not presenting. Listening in. And listen in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bash University Live here on Tuesday night. Take a quick break. Watch John Cruz's on the Tokyo rig. Be a part of the show. Get some chances to win some awesome prizes. As fast as we go. You know, we didn't have that back then. And, 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 dude, it, it just... That text thread gives me so much energy. I mean, like I'm dialing. Everybody, welcome to Bash University Live. We are back. We had a little reprieve uh, for a couple weeks, and we're we're happy to be back live again. We've got a great show tonight because we're going to be talking about one of my favorite ways to fish. We're going to be talking about fishing in the grass, uh, taking it from the different types of vegetation to dense mat fishing, northern lakes. We've got a big northern swing coming on all the tournament trails, and everybody's going to be grass fishing. So we're going to be talking about it tonight. So bring your questions. Look for the Zoom feed. If you guys want to Zoom in and ask your question live to us, we're going to uh, – obviously, we'd love for you guys to do that. IM board's going to be hot. Any questions you guys have about grass or anything else uh, fishing-related, of course, we're, uh, we're happy to have you. Look forward to talking with you on tonight's show. And, um, of course, we got BTC and Riz getting us off on time, doing great, looking good. How you guys doing? You first. Doing great, Pete. Glad to be back on the air talking to our people. It's uh, been, a, been, a, been a couple of weeks, but it's good to, be, good to be back here. There's it is. It's good to be back. Everybody's been fishing, even you, BTC. Even me. Even you. Mm. Even me. That's right. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that, too, because everybody here has been scoring big in their, their local derbs. But uh, I'm real excited to have one of my one of my old friends. Uh, been fishing w with him, against him, uh, for geez, I hate to say it, man. It's got to be 25, almost 30 years. Yes, yeah. Has it yeah. been that long? It's been that long, man. It's unbelievable, dude. I was thinking about that on the way over, you know, about how long and. I was kind of glad when you finally started fishing professionally because then it got you out of the federation, dude. I don't have to deal with you anymore because I'll tell you right now, dude, Pete, the only guy I know that knows northern fisheries better than Pete is probably Eddie Cowan, and that is it, man. Other than that, man, your local knowledge of fishing these places, dude, well, is second to none. Hey, I got to say, well, this is my good friend uh, Bob Soley, uh, two-time classic qualifier, uh, just a, a really, uh, to me, uh, when I was growing up fishing, Bob, I, I don't know if I really told you this, but your voice <laughs> still echoes in my head, man. <laughs> and I mean this in a, like, yeah. in a good way, not just <laughs> yeah. the ball busting yeah, that yeah, goes on. Yeah, but uh, yeah. but like, like you had this ability to break the complicated down into a manageable, simple approach that that man i i still use it today man i could still hear solely's <laughs> voice ringing in my ears when i'm when, when, I, when i'm getting too complicated or yeah. I'm, I'm trying to overthink stuff or if i get confused or lost and uh and i just always appreciate that you got a yeah. you got a really strong way to handle this sport <laughs> and you've done really well with it you know? right yeah I, I try not to just make it simple man i've never been like 
get too hung up on baits and, you know, what to throw this, that, or the other thing. I'm more about, you know, trying to find a fish and, you know, the baits will figure themselves out, you know? Yep. And then one of the things that, here's one that I remember, and it applies to you. Uh, we're talking about the flats, and you've won lots of tournaments down on the flats. Right. Uh, you're like, if I'm going to go try to make the grass work, and if I can't make the grass work, then I'm going to do something else. But I'm going to go first. I'm going to try to make the grass work. That still rings in my ears for 20 years, you know, simplifying that approach, you know, like, man, do I go flip wood, docks, do I handle creeks, grass? It's like, man, the tournament's going to be won in the grass. You yeah. Get, you got to try to make that work. Right. And that's because, like, on these tidal fisheries, especially the Chesapeake, the Potomac, um, milfoil in the spring, especially the months of May and June, I mean, if you're not fishing that, you're not fishing for the winning fish, in my opinion, you know, and what... You try to get away from it, but, you know, usually, you know, the, it's always one with, because it's so important to the bass. And, you know, to, right. to bring that in perspective, you know, 15 years ago, the flat itself wasn't that good. And a lot of tournaments be won, you know, over in the Bohemia because the Bohemia had all the milfoil at that time. Yeah, you know? remember that? Yeah. yeah. And then the fish dispersed and then they got out on the flat. They used to be yeah. in the mouth of the sassafras because it was all milfoil. And those tidal river fish, they need to spawn around the milfoil, and then they post and pre-spawn in it, you know what I mean? Right. So they never really leave it, you know, until later summer, you know, early spring. They got to, you know, until they flatten out, I call it, until that water temperature gets like in the mid-50s or whatever it is, mid to upper 50s, and they start to flatten out. But, you know, the milfoil to tidal river fish is everything. The milfoil is king. I always feel that way, like, uh, you know, if, if they have a choice of grass, you know, yeah. eel or hydrilla or milfoil, right. that, that's definitely going to be the king. But it's funny, you bring up all those places that we used to catch them, right. uh, you know, on the Chesapeake. And back then, I think Rich was, you know, he he was still in, on his tricycle <laughs> back Probably. then. Yeah, yep. I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yep. we've, we've got a whole new crop of these super talented grass fishermen now coming right behind us yeah and that's awesome man i mean you know it's you got to pass it along sooner or later and you know these guys out there today they're way more sophisticated than i ever was fishing you or, know or, and, or in any other way in your life yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's you know all the technology they got you know what i mean yeah. and this is this is a true story man when i when i qualified for the classic and the all-american and the national championship all in the same year dude i fished out of a nitro 882 with a 150 on it no electronics it's <laughs> <laughs> an 18 foot two inch boat dude i took yeah. it everywhere and i it was pretty simple because i had no electronics i was just gonna beat the banks you know but right. it's kind of what i do or fish so cool. in the grass but today these guys man with the stuff they got out there i don't know how they keep it all in line I don't, I, and there's a lot to chew on, but it reminds me of like Dean Rojas. We heard that story. He Ish told me this that uh, he qualified for the uh, the classic his first year out on pro tour, right. and he did not have a front sonar unit. Wow, man. on his on his yeah, boat. Yeah, I mean that's crazy. Well, you know? It, you know, and it's funny you say that because the all this new technology, uh, you see guys like John Cox, uh, of course Hackney, the the guys that are bank beaters. They have less fishing pressure now. Yes, yeah. Because all yeah. that new technology right, that's yeah, out with, there. Yeah, front-facing sonar and everything else that the guys have today. A lot of guys get away from the bank. They all want to fish deep, and, you know, that'd, that'd be fine for a dude like me. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm, I'm not too far from them guys. I could I could fish deep, but it's not my game, really. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd rather fish shallow if I can. Um, I grew up – not grew up. I mean, I didn't really even start getting – 
into bass fishing until I was like 24, but, you know, I, I fished lakes that were natural lakes of pack on greenwood with deeper milfoil, you know, that grew out to at 8 to 12, and that's how I kind of, you know, cut my teeth fishing for bass in the beginning. I fished my first tournament on a pack on, which is a grass lake, and then, you know the deal. If you can't fish tidal rivers around here or fish grass in the northeast, you, you ain't going nowhere. You know, yeah, that's the whole ball of wax, yep. man. You know, so Gra- grass is grass is it, and, and there's yeah. grass lakes all over. Uh, fishing them down south, Gunnersville, and uh, you know now Pickwick has uh, grass all throughout it. So all these techniques are, that we're going to be talking about today apply to all these lakes right. all over. And we got this northern swing. We've got the elites coming up. They're going to be fishing on uh, Lake Champlain, mm. and you know uh, grass is going to be a huge factor. They're going to be fishing down south of Ticonderoga, or or uh, you know fishing the grass up north, or even the uh, the smallmouth that can be in that twenty foot deep yeah. eelgrass. You yeah. know that that's up there. So we're talking about grass, guys. If you have questions, you want to talk about grass, uh, get your questions together. We're gonna have a a great. We've got one of the greatest uh, minds in grass fishing uh, sitting here with me, and uh, we're gonna we look forward to talking to you guys about that stuff, guys. I want if you have anything that sits outside, I don't care if it's an ATV, a jet ski, even if you're a bass fisherman that owns a jet ski. Ooh. <laughs> That's a hard thing to be, but (laughs) Empire's got a cover for you, too. And, um, you know, whatever it is, check it out. Uh, Empire Covers, go to empirecovers.com backslash bashu21, and we're going to hook you up with 15% off of an Empire cover. So uh, don't let your stuff sit out and rot. Uh, Take care of your gear, and it's going to have some great resale value. The the used bass boat market right now is incredible, so you want to keep your boat tight. Go check out Empire Boat Covers. Riz, we got, as always, we got a lot of prizes and contests. What do we got going on tonight? Yeah, so uh, we have a a grand prize uh, going out the door tonight. That's going to be a pair of Hobie sunglasses um, and uh, some Bass University official gear. Um, And then we also have a Facebook like and share going out tonight. That's going to be some Rod Warrior, uh, some Rod Warrior rod sleeves, as you can see there on the table, and uh, a few Bashu hats and some other goodies from our sponsors like Gills Gear. Um, also, during the show tonight, we're going to be giving out two Gills Gear gift cards for questions that we take off the message board, guys. And if you're not signed up yet for Bashu TV, now's a perfect time to get involved, and you can be a part of tonight's show when we give out the Zoom link later on. Um, right now is the last day that you can save $30 on your annual membership to Bash TV, and we're going to hook you up with a red, white, and BU hat. It's the one I'm wearing here tonight. One of our most popular. It's very slick. People it's love a good, that hat. It's a, it's a great-looking hat. Guys, get signed up for Bash TV tonight. Uh, we got over 900 videos, and we're dropping three a week. This is the number one resource for you to take your fishing to the next level. Check it out at www.bashu.tv and get joined up. Uh, uh, I just want to add that these Hobie glasses are actually really dope. They're uh, they're, oh, yeah. they're eighty five dollars, so it is a decent prize for you guys, you subscribers watching, and uh, they're pretty dope. Like oh, yeah. Pete said, you you strapped on a pair for the first time tonight. I did. What'd you say, Pete? Well, the coverage is amazing, and that's coverage. one of the things that uh, I always struggle with 
is because you're Polish and you got a large, <laughs> large head, right? L- large, wide set yeah, eyes. Yeah, man. Yeah. I got a, I got a very handsome face that's yeah. difficult to fit. And uh, but the but getting the light in behind the lens is inhibits you when you're you know trying to get depth penetration and see. And you know you have to have to cover it up, but excellent fit on the Hobies. Liked it right away. Yep, uh, love that for uh, big heads like Pete and <laughs> little little puny ones like mine. Yeah, <laughs> and everything in between. Yep, no, seriously. Yep. Fit. And I also want, I want to give a shout out, and I brought one uh, to Cash and Fishing Rods, because um, I want, I have a story. Oh yeah, story. I have mm. a story. I'm uh we were fishing uh, oh, no, 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 a no. tournament down on the Chesapeake, as which I do from time to time with. Uh, with Derek Parker, a good friend of mine, and uh, we were uh, fishing bank-oriented stuff, and I and I got hung up, and I'm trying to I'm trying to unhang it, <laughs> and during the process, uh, I kicked two of my cashins <laughs> right off the deck of the boat, right into the river, and um, and here I am, you know, I'm, I've been in, been in that situation a million times. You got you grab it up if you can. So here I, I, I'm reaching out, Bob. I got my hand almost to the rods, and I'm to the point where if I go even an inch further, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> or I pull back and watch the rods just sink to the yeah, bottom. Yeah, yeah. So I, I couldn't do it. Uh, Paul, I couldn't do it. Couldn't let the cashins uh, fall, so I did it. I went for it. I re- went in, grabbed both of them rods, <laughs> had them, and uh, – and now I'm in. I'm underwater. And, of course, during the process, I dragged two more cashins <laughs> in with me. So now we got four. <laughs> now I got four cashins. We're swimming around. I'm trying to collect them, treading water. And uh, we captured all four cashin rods, and we got them back in the boat. And uh, I uh, – no worse for the wear, except for I lost my sunglasses. So I'm super psyched. Oh. <laughs> I'm super psyched that I got I got Hobies to replace them with, and uh, uh, what a deal, man! I, I went I went head first, head in for a uh, Fritz side mm. on the, the Delaware. On the Delaware, did just this recently? Yesterday. Wow! Just to get it back, or yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was hard to get that thing. Hey, he I was, was, I wasn't was, giving it up. He yeah. was straight up snorkeling without a snorkel yesterday <laughs> to get that wow. bait back. It was incredible. There was boats leaving. We we're in Darby Creek, and there's boats leaving Darby Creek, laughing as we're going by. I'm like, he's all right, you know. Oh, man, I mean, it was right there. I could touch it with the rod tip, but it, clearly it was in rope. Yeah, and and a lot of other things. So it was like it was right there. It was just out of arm's reach. So I. You know, I see that horrifies I had me. To go in. Like if you're down there, you're stuck on rope, and then the hook gets you. That's what happened to me it, with a jerk bait, man. The hook, it got stuck on a rope and dug into my hand, and every time a wave would come, my head would go underwater until I just ripped it out. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it was on Greenwood Lake, dude. Oh I'm telling gosh. you, it was it was terrible, man. I kind of <laughs> reached down to grab it, and it just sunk right into my fingers, man. Oh my, oh god. my god! Every time a wave would come, it would just lift the boat up, and you know, it was terrible, dude. That is my worst nightmare. It was terrible. Never again. You live and you learn, man. Yeah. That was the last time I was just like, break it off, dude. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. That's great. That's, I'm going to have a nightmare tonight about that. <laughs> oh, I've, uh, I've had – I've gone swimming. I've, I, I've gone swimming before for lures, but 
down in the Delaware with all that current and rope. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you came out of it unscathed, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was I was confident that, yeah, I mean, it was there. I was going to have to, I had to make an attempt. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. And sh- I want to shout out to my buddy uh, Rich Snyderite. You know, oh, Rich. yeah, I know Rich. Rich just man. fished the yeah. uh, Federation uh, TBF down uh, on the flats as well, and he he pushed a uh, a slider hook through his thumb. Ooh, nice! In, uh, you know, practicing for that tournament. But uh, wait, what? Recently? Just yeah, a couple yeah. days ago. He's still throwing a slider head, dude. He's been around forever. I mean, this guy's been around longer than me and Pete. Easy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> and he's still throwing slider heads? You're still winning with slider yeah. heads. How about yeah. it? Like he's it. an old school dude, hey, man. I'll be honest. I, th- I throw them. Yeah. They have a pro slider, yeah. which is a beefed up, uh, slightly gauged wire. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm telling when I'm around moss or grass and I'm shaky head fishing, it, it's the, the, it, that's what I use. Yeah. It's better. It's a good yep. deal, man, in the grass. Yeah. 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 It comes through. It's got the you know the line ties almost straight out, yeah, almost like yeah. this jig. Yeah, you know, it's just straight out. Just yeah. it's actually exactly like that, yeah. which makes it uh, a great bait. But the problem was the old ones, the original ones, were ultra finesse. Yeah, the wire was real light. Oh, on it was them. Yeah. so light. Bend and them right out. You could if you weren't using the right gear, you would bend them right out. Right. But, yeah. But it caught it, a million fish on them though. Yeah. No kidding. Oh, that was the deal. Oh, yeah. It's it's just the fall on it too. It's just got a different fall on it than you know a lot of other stuff's got that little glide to it. You know what I mean? Yep. I, that's old school technique for sure. That's man. old. He's won. Uh, he's won as many uh, amateur tournaments as anybody out there. But uh, yeah, we had another win. Uh, Riz, you brought another win in this weekend or last weekend was it? Uh, yeah, it was last weekend. Um. Had a second on the Delaware on Saturday, and then uh, we got the win on the canal on Sunday. So very nice, yeah. very nice. Yeah, it was a, it was a nice uh, nice weekend to get away from the flats after uh, I had sucked there the weekend before. So it was uh, good to get some vengeance on a different body of water. Yeah, sometimes you just need to change the pace, man. Exactly, you know change the I mean? scenery. Yeah, breaks yeah. you out of some slumps, some yeah. routine. Yep. You know things you don't want to be doing fishing. Well, I know. Well, I'm, sure. I've, I've got to go fish Lake Oneida, and I got to figure out how to break out of that slump. Mm. Uh, that's coming up here in a couple of weeks. Stoshenko. No, that <laughs> yeah. doesn't even work for me there. I don't know. Yeah. I got to. I got to come up with something else. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's like I. I. The, it's the Bermuda Triangle for me, Lake Oneida. Like my boat sank <laughs> one time. Mm. I got deathly ill during the tournament. Like during competition. I, there's two times it's happened to me in 25 years. I had to lay down during competition because wow. I just I was I just couldn't do anything. What would you have? Stomach virus? It's it like a flu or something. It just was clobbering me, and mm. uh, I just couldn't stand up anymore. I had to lay down. Um, but it, so anyway, Oneida, you owe me, and I'm coming. I'm coming to get right. it. Right. Uh, and I was down on the flats, and and um, I had a a really cool deal because down the flats. This in my tournament, we finished uh, the Fishers and Men tournament, right. and I opted for a strategy outside of the grass, mm. which I, 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 we didn't eight hours or nine hours. That's a long tournament they have, but I never made a cast at grass the whole time per- wow. on purpose. But here was the cool thing. This was super cool. I just, I'm driving down. Uh, it was the Friday before the tournament, and I had a uh, on water training trip. The, the the moon 
was so full, just staring <laughs> at me as I'm driving down 95. Slapping you in the face. And I'm looking at that full moon, and I'm, I'm like, nah. Could they, could they spawn? It's like the end of June. They're done. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There they couldn't be another spawn going on. And and during my on-water training trip, uh, we went out, and I'm telling you, we caught bedding fish. We had three over five with bloody tails. Right. And uh, the I think a, another wave uh, had been pushed up by that full moon. And, uh, and, of course, I went out the next day. Of course, we had beat them up pretty hard on Friday. And um, but we still managed, you know, eighteen pound respectable bag and took second place. At nice. shout out to the Fishers of Men, nice, uh, awesome. His second time fishing with those guys this year. Uh, like love fishing with those guys. They run a great tournament trail. Shout out to Derek Parker. Uh, but we had a blast. But it was, it was what I was trying to do, trying to accomplish was everybody was going to gra- be grass fishing. And in order to win, I wanted to try to do something outside of that yeah. and uh, almost pulled it off. That's good, man. Almost that's, pulled it off. That's pretty strong for, it, for not fishing out on the flat. Right? <laughs> it, it was tricky. But, you know, right. you catch those spawning five-pounders, it changes – changes your strategy a little mm-hmm. bit you so. got to find a better way to get your guide trips off the juice the day before a tournament yeah yeah you know what i mean like i, I talk i talked to rich about this too it's hard it's hard to win on a body of water that you're guiding on i think it makes you a, it's made me a better angler honestly really because i have to i have to make tournament decisions every minute yep. of every day mm. right. to get the guys around the fish get yep. get the boat around the fish so that it makes me a better angler but then come Derby Day on the flats, I have sore mouthed everything within five <laughs> miles right. of where I'm fishing, you know, and it's 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 tricky. It's tricky to win, but uh, overall, it's made me a good a better angler, I think, and uh, and it was great. And I, you know, I love fishing the tournaments. I'm fishing more. COVID killed me last year, so I think I've already got like five or six tournaments in the books. Wow, for me, that's a lot, you wow, know, by yeah. this time, because this is the time I really start fishing is like June through December. And I've got a lot planned, uh, but I've already got a few in the books. And BTC, yes, you, you had a derby as well. You did well. Yeah, uh, you know, almost well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was I, right, you know, but it was, we were one place out of the money, and so I'm pretty disappointed. Um, but fished up on Merrill Creek with Jeff Little from Torquedo, uh, so that was cool. You know, he's he's a kayak guy, and and um, so it's a little bit, and he doesn't tournament fish. You know, Jeff Jeff really doesn't enjoy tournament fishing or, or just not his thing. So it, it was kind of cool because he's used to just going out and fishing and filming and stuff. And and um, but it was fun. He got he got pumped. He got into it, you know, and I'd be like, no, Jeff, we're, they're, they're biting. We're, we'll, we'll film the recap on that fish catch after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Hold yeah, on, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, let's put it back in the water. <laughs> but no, it was it was awesome. We had uh, we had four for 12. Um and 15 pounds or 14 pounds won it. Right. You know, and they paid three spots. And, of course, we had four. That's but still – it's awesome. No, it was Tough it was fishery. Cool. It's a really tough fishery. Yeah, it's a really tough fishery. And, you know, I, I see Bob's got the drop shot over there talking about grass fishing. We're going to get into that in a minute. But, uh, yeah, that's what got um, – our big one, which was longer right until the guy caught one at the boat ramp with five minutes to go to beat me. Oh, All right, let's go to commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Are we ready for commercial? Yeah. Let's for real, commercial. yeah. All right, we're going to be back. Hey, guys, get your cra- grass. 
questions together. We've got show and tell here. You're going to hear some things that are pretty unique and fly in the face of what you think about grass fishing. So, uh, so hang in there. Get your questions together. We'll be right back with Bash You Live. Why do you love catching fishing rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That are made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out during a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I've found that can withstand my hook set. Boom, goes the dynamite. Some would say obsessed. There's no place on earth we'd rather be than right here, right now. Performance-driven gear, so you can fish longer, harder. Gills Performance Fishing. 2021 Red Crest Champion Dustin Connell here. And if you watch live coverage, we just got done at Lake Eufaula. I caught my fish using the active target with Lowrance. What you didn't see is I run a sea clear power harness in my boat. One of the main advantages to running this harness is it does not drain my batteries down at all running my four units. And what that's gonna allow me to do is I'm able to see my bait at 8 a.m. just as good late in the day. Y'all check them out at seaclearpower.com. You take pride in your boat, so it deserves the best protection possible. Our durable woven fabric prevents ripping and provides UV protection, and our tape seams provide protection against the elements. The heavy-duty shock cord hem and strap and buckle system provide a tight and secure fit. Our top-of-the-line boat covers come with a ventilation system to keep your boat free from mold buildup. Empire Covers, protecting what you love. Welcome back, Bass University Live. Like I said, if you're just tuning in, uh, we're talking about grass fishing. There's a lot of big derbies that we're all going to be watching, um, and it's going to be all about the grass. And we've uh, we've got a lot of great prizes. Get your questions together. Get on the IM board. If we use your question off the IM board, we're going to hook you up with some cool prizes. If you have not subscribed to Bass University, it's a great time right now. Uh, I've seen so many people at all the tournaments, so many guys coming up and uh, thanking us for putting together this program, and I really appreciate that. Guys are using it. They're using it to be more consistent, to catch more bigger fish, uh, to be competitive in tournaments. And, guys, hey, if you're not a tournament guy, you just love fishing, I, I want to announce a great series that is going to be released called Take It to the Bank, where we're going to go over bank fishing strategies and uh, kicking off with no – who else? Ike has got a great tutorial series that is going to kick off this series for us uh, using his top, middle, bottom strategy from the bank. Uh, so if you're a bank angler, look for that uh, to be coming real soon. And we've got a lot of great stuff going as well. Uh, but we're going to be talk we're talking about grass fishing tonight. It's one. It's my. It's my favorite way to go. Uh, I know Brian, Brian Schmidt is another one that is like a super grass phenom. There's a few guys out there. Todd Faircloth, uh, amazing uh, and great. We have. I just want to bring that to everybody's attention. We have some of the best grass fishing seminars from the greatest 
grass anglers on the planet on Bass U TV. Todd Faircloth stands out in my mind, as well as Greg Hackney. Um, and he's, I don't know why I'm telling you guys this, because probably some of my competition is watching. But he gives, <laughs> he gives a great seminar about how he flips grass for smallmouth. And he developed that off of his experiences on Lake Oneida. Um, so uh, I'm going to be checking that out. I advise you guys to do the same. But we're, uh, let, let's dive into some grass fishing talk. And um, one of the things that... Uh, that I think is important because I was just talking with on water training customer today um, and shout out to Kevin and we were talking about pre-spawn patterns and grass and one of the most important believe it or not as you go up north there's still pre-spawn patterns happening up there it's crazy but, man yeah. yeah but one of the like you've seen this on the lakes that you grew up fishing like Greenwood and Apaca mm -hmm. one of the best pre-spawn patterns on the planet is finding that first green uh, patches of grass growth. Right. It, it, it can be the deal pre-spawn sometimes. Yeah, I mean, pre-spawn fishing, I mean, basically like fishing these natural type lakes that I'm, you know, kind of grew up fishing or whatever. Um, you know, basically two lures, a rattle trap and a jerk bait, man, does the deal. But it's kind of weird that you mention that because one of the things about a pack-on, you know, and a pack-on's a natural lake. It's no different than a Cayuga or, where, you know, Oneida kind of. Yeah, yeah, same exact deal. And uh, one of the interesting things that I learned is that the bass only winter as deep as the cover. Even on a lake like a pack-on, it's 50 or 60 feet deep. Most of them only winter in like five to six feet of water. And the remaining eelgrass that's mm -hmm. left from, you know, throughout the winter, most of the milfoil dies back, like mm -hmm. you said. But once that milfoil grows up, those pre-spawn fatties get in there, man, yep. and that's when the rattle trap and the jerk bait just you just beat them up. Yep. <laughs> it, and it's it's the facts. It's like uh, you got to find that early grass growth, and uh, it, it's key. We see the same thing, Riz, down on the flats. Uh, those big grass patches, those first ones, the, the tallest ones, man, that's where the juice is yep. in the pre-spawn. Seems to be where the uh, where the big ones like to be, like Bob said. And and what amazes me about that is that Every year, it seems like there's a different, uh, you know, it, it, it starts to happen in a little different area first, just because it happened directly between the islands, per se. Yeah. Uh, last year doesn't mean that it's going to happen directly between the islands again the following year. Um, it may be close, uh, but but every year things are just a little bit different. And, you know, one of the uh, one of the cool things about grass is that once you find the right grass, the fish tell you you found the right grass. There's no... Uh, there's no no mistaking it because yeah. when you get around them, they bite for you, and that's a fun time to be fishing. It's pre spawn grass pre spawn grass fishing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. And the lipless bait is is like you said, Bob, is key. Yeah, uh, just getting it into the grass, ripping it out of the grass. Mm -hmm. It's you know it's such a key early season bait. Um, I'm still guilty of putting that down. Like once we get past the pre spawn, and I'm I'm trying like crazy to keep jerkbait fishing and lipless bait fishing past the pre-spawn uh, because they're such valuable tools and we get caught up not fishing them that time of year. But uh, right. but I still get caught putting them down. But yeah, it's a good post-spawn bait on the flats. I don't think you're going to catch the right fish on it, but you can catch a lot of fish on a, on a, on a rattle trap down there post-spawn, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. or when they're kind of starting to get off the beds, you know. So 
it just covers the water so good that, you know, that type of flat water with some grass on it, like you said, ripping a, you know, rattle trap out or, or throwing a jerk bait. Not so much on the flats, the jerk bait, um, but, you know, it just covers the water just so thorough. You know, it's the deal. That or a chatterbait, you know. Yeah. Well, a chatterbait is, is, is you got to add that because, you know, when we first started fishing, it didn't exist. Right. And right. it was all lipless, but that lipless right. and chatterbait are almost synonymous with each other right now. Yeah. Or, you know, this in this you know year but uh but that early grass growth is is key and um gray buck man uh came on you guys got to go check out the gray buck show that he did with us at bash U. but he had one of the best uh strategies for finding the good habitat in the grass by going out at ice out yeah before the grass grows right finding all that uh good stuff because one of the keys to, to being good at grass fishing is is what's happening underneath the grass. Right. You know, is it is there rock? Is there sand? You know, that's huge in grass bed fishing. And uh, and Greg gets out side imaged, you know, and uh, you know, so now I'm doing that too. I think I think that's a great strategy to to be able to find the goods because so many times in in a grass bed when you catch one you can bet there's a reason why that fish is there and it's most often the bottom habitat. I mean, we see that on right. like where you grow up, like a Lake Opacon, it's, it's a rock outcropping or something under yeah, the grass. I, I get asked that question a lot. Cause I won a lot of, a lot of tournaments on a pack on, um, you know, a lot of times it's definitely some irregular feature in the grass, a point, you know, a little indention in it. Um, or thicker, you know, the grass just tends to be thicker in a, in a spot. So, um, you know, the, the bass definitely go through a progression when they get off the beds. Um, you know, you look at, say, Lake Apacon, like the first, second week of June, they're really not out there yet. But once you get to the third week of June, the first week of July, all the fish are kind of done spawning. They're all on the same page, and they're not out what I would say – out on the outer edge yet a lot of times they're still up on the flat part of the grass and you know that six to eight feet of water mm -hmm. and that's where that thicker grass plays a factor not so much maybe the bottom composition or a point on the outside edge but as the summer progresses the fish keep moving out you know so you got to mm -hmm. kind of move with them or they go dirt shallow in between you know it's either it's either out or in yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know so yep. that middle depth kind of kind of goes away after after they get done spawning you know and they, they move out six to ten feet or whatever and then eventually move out but you're right a lot of times it could be um something on the bottom you know rock or bare spot you know sand spot something you know something different i think uh one of the tools that has disappeared is uh and <laughs> and i love bringing it back is the marker buoy Yes, yeah. I mean, yeah. back in the day, Mike, you know, you go fish a tournament, you think they had, like, a ski buoy set up. You know, Mike's fishing in the cove. He's got, like, 40 of them stretched <laughs> out. You know, it's like, dude, you know what I mean, man? Yeah. But um, I used to just tie a crankbait on it, not so much the buoy, so other anglers didn't see it that way, you know, because yeah. you throw a big yellow marker buoy out, it's like a beacon. Yo, over here, dude, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just, it's a bad call, yeah. man, you know? Yeah. Well, you got to use the other strategy I used to use is is I'd throw the marker buoy like where there's no fish. Right. Like, yeah. Like it's, yeah. You know, the fish are here and you throw it like 30 feet over that way, <laughs> you know, yeah. and you know, you fake guys out, you go over and fish around the buoy and they'd all suck into it. And then yeah. you can go fish the juice. You know, it's interesting you say that because to me, grass fishing, when you win, 
it's always a sweet spot, dude. Yeah. Right? You could have 40 boats around. You one dude's just waylaying on them. Everybody else is getting scraps. You're just watching yeah. this guy clobber them, you know, and, and yeah. trying to find those sweet spots is the whole thing with winning those type of tournaments, you know. That's that's the deal. It is. The truth. I've been there, and I've seen, you know, you're you're so been close. on both sides of it. Been the one <laughs> off the sweet spot, been the one <laughs> off the sweet spot. Sitting yep. out there, sitting outside the window. It's, like, it's, let you me know, get in. You're standing out in the rain, and they're inside. They're partying. You didn't get invited to the party. It's so lonely. Just getting rained on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's cold rain, too. <laughs> but it, but it, it's been, you know, the buoys are key. Now, of course, we have, like, spot lock, and we have great 360 features we can see. I can see through the grass so much better with my with my mega down imaging and, and my 2D sonar mm-hmm. uh, that I can see stuff like it's incredible. And what do you got? So, Saturday, you just reminded me. Saturday when we fished that tournament, yeah, the big one that we caught, and I rolled up on this community grass flat. You know, I went I went to another spot first. We left there about half hour into the into the day. And it's just, you know, it's a big community spot. It's community because it's the best spot on the lake, right? And there's like eight boats parked on. I'm like, all right, let me, let's chill out here for a minute, work my way in there, and, and try to head to some of the areas I like and, and see what's going on. Didn't see anybody getting bit and fished around and fished around and started getting off to the outer edge and off on the point, the deepest edge of it. And as we're drifting off, I'm like, oh, you know, it's, it's no grass, no grass. And then from 20 to 24, as it's starting to drop, there was a little mustache of grass. And whoop, there's an arch. And two casts later, back in that direction is where I caught that the big one. You know, four nice. plus pound large mouth. Twenty plus foot, huh? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Wow. Pretty cool. That's yeah. deep. Yeah. Especially that, now. Yeah. For, you know? for our bodies of water, you yeah. know. That's, well, that's North Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. They got but, they got people go out there and plant it and harvest. <laughs> and, <laughs> mm. Well, one one of the things that I did in my grass fishing because I I get this question all the time, like uh, like especially like out on the flats, like. How in the world do you, where do you start? Like, what do you, you know, where do you begin? But mm. it's massive. But uh, there's a couple things. I, you know, I use beginnings of grass beds and ends of grass beds, thicker parts, thinner parts. But a lot, it's, a lot of times it's that depth change that's key on yep. a massive body of water yep. like that. And it can only be six inches or so. But one of the best tools, and whether, any grass like I've been in, is – I usually will find the fish by fishing. Yeah. You know, I'll usually find them first by fishing and marking a waypoint and then dissecting the Figuring area. Out why. With, with why. Yeah. Is it, is it a high spot? Is it a low spot? Is it a rock outcropping? Uh, what is it? And I'll spend a lot of time doing that, like just, just graphing. For us, one of the keys is high tide. You go out on the higher tide to do your graphing because your sonar reaches further, mm-hmm. and you can see a lot better. The grass stands tall. Yeah. And uh, but you know that that's a huge. The the fish are there for a reason. That's why we used to drop buoy markers. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. it's never random. Like it's it's never random, and especially on the on the flats, it happens all too often that you'll be fishing through a stretch, fishing through a stretch, fishing through a stretch, and then your your pin gets to the point where it can just barely touch your waypoint and that cast you catch one Donk. because it's there's a reason that 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 little spot holds a bass whether it's something on the bottom whether it's a change it's just all too freaking often and I, I get crazy with like with my waypoints and i'll have people in the boat with me that are like you really think you need all those waypoints and they got to be labeled and this and that and that and I say, yeah, because every 
every fish catch has has a reason and there's a story behind it. If you put the time in to figure it out, it's gonna it's gonna pay off. No doubt. Yeah. By the by the way, I don't I, the waypoints on my the hummingbirds are awesome. The the updates have all the new color combinations so i have last year's waypoints this year's yep. waypoints green for grass you know cut different colors it's amazing so at a glance i can i can really dial in on what what's out there on the flat i've got you know yeah one thing about there. the grass man uh, you know especially on tidal places the potomac the flats even even natural lakes man is it never grows a lot of times the same way two years in a row yep. right and yep. So when we used to fish the flats years, you know, I'm talking, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was about the thickness of the grass. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter depth change, right? The milfoil back then was so thick that that's what the bass related to, you know. But now because the grass is thinner, they need those little depressions or whatever the case may be, man. And that's more what they relate to than, you know, they need to they spawn in the milfoil. And, yep. you know, like I said, we were talking about the other day, the shad spawn out there. And, yep. you know, so the bass kind of take advantage of that. But it has changed, you know, and the grass continues. It always changes. One year it grows, the next year it doesn't. It's, it's exactly know? right. And it, it doesn't matter, Lake. We, we see it on Gunnersville. Uh, you know, we see it at every lake there is, even o- Okeechobee, that's all grass, you know. Every, every year you go to a place, it, it, it grows differently. A lot of right. it's man-made impact, you know, maybe uh, the areas get sprayed and, and die it. back. Yeah. Or weather patterns can blow wind and, um, and, and chop up the grass and, and, and kill it, you know, die off certain areas. Heavy rains can bring off-colored water and, yeah. and siltation in areas and wipe out grass beds for miles. So yep. so it's 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 cool. It's interesting that every year, you know, you got to you got to relocate, you yeah, know, and, yeah, and, yeah. and follow the fish as the grass changes. Yeah. I want to bend both your ears on something here. Um so do you feel like at a certain point late in the year like in the in like the mid fall or early fall the grass will actually make a second growth like it'll come back up and i i felt like i've started to see this on the flats the last couple of years to where late in the fall i'll get in these areas that i was catching them early in the spring and the milfoil will start to get like those red tips again it'll get all real 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 fresh looking and those areas seem to be where it comes up first in the spring and what i wonder is does that grass it because it made a second growth late in the year, does it not completely die off and it just it, it just lays down and then early spring when it starts to lift up, those fish want to go straight to it? Yeah. Yeah. What, what I've seen out on the flats is that you can go out there, and this is when um, the grass is more prevalent, thicker, whatever the case may be. You can go out there in, in February or March, and the grass was topped out. Right. Like it never even went away. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you, you would go in, like, VZ Cove, and the grass would be there. Like, you know, you would think it was, like, June-looking, kind of, you know. It, it, and um, that one bay down there at the bottom of uh, um, the yeah. Northeast River. Yeah, uh, I, I can't it, even think of the name. I yeah. know, I know what you're right. talking about. Right, yeah. but the grass, a lot of times, I'd go out there, and I'm like, dude, it's, like, March, and the grass is to the top already almost yeah. in this area. It, it didn't make, die off. Right. You know? Right. And, of course, that's going to be a magnet for the fish because I don't know if they could smell the milk floor or what it is, but they're going <laughs> to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you, Rich, what, what I have noticed along those lines is um, the grass grows at different paces. And you, you, you know this from what we're seeing on the flats. Like, the milfoil is going to be the first to, to pop up right. in a lot of places. Like, we, we 
you know, one of the areas we fish is millfoot, eelgrass, and hydrilla. And the the millfoil is going to be the first to pop up in the early season. And then you start seeing later, you start seeing the eelgrass or ribbon grass growth. And a lot of th that grows and that can outcompete the millfoil in places and, and choke, wipe it out. Choke it out. And um, then yep. even later in the season, the warmest water grass, which a lot of people watching this fish around all the time, is hydrilla. Um, and that is going to grow, you know, start, it's starting to grow now. Yeah. And, you know, oh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to see, and it grows fast. And yeah. By the time we get into September, it's at its peak. Yeah. And in October, it's at its peak. So grasses come at different times. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do is go back and look at dates on pictures, like, and like from, from our bodies of water. And it makes me just realize how much every year is so different. Because, like, something popped up on my Facebook memories today of, to 2019 where i had a big bag of fish like 20 sub 22 pounds and i just it made me think how i was fishing and what the kind of like what the water was like the conditions that i had how how we were doing it and i'm like thinking to myself like i was on those waypoints on saturday it looks totally different <laughs> like yep. completely completely different just how how much further along everything is this year uh, as opposed to a year before or two years ago three it, years ago even yeah you know every every it's so different from year to year and we get you know you get your heat waves your fronts uh we deal with a lot of runoff like if you get heavy rains throughout the region of our country it can retard the grass growth for months it can push the spawn backwards it can do all kinds of stuff and um you know so you know every waterway is is, is definitely uh different and the grasses, but here's the deal, and we talked about it earlier. When the grass grows on your body of water, you can bet that's going to be where the winning patterns are. And I, you know, we get this question a lot too. And guys get guys get intimidated by mm. fishing the grass because yeah. you got to fight it. You know, you're fishing with treble hooks. What you're going to throw this around the grass? Yeah, yeah, right. That's <laughs> you got. You learn how to to manage it, and you learn how to throw your baits and trigger the strikes in grass. And we're going to talk about baits, and we're going to dive in because uh, Bob, you brought a lot of great stuff here, and I look forward to talking mm. to that. But Rich, are you? Do we have some IMs over there? Yeah, we do. Um, we got a lot of interaction from our guys on the board. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start working some of these in here. Um, First question is going to come from Steez72. Uh, Steez72 says, My local lake just got sprayed to knock down the milfoil oh. and other vegetation. Mm. Where do the largemouth and smallmouth bass go after the grass gets killed? That's a and Steez, for that to... <laughs> question, you got yourself a Gills Gear gift card. Some, my man. some of them might go to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. the, I'll, I'll tack that first, um, and then I'll pass it on, Bob, but... The, uh, I've talked with DNR officials, and if it's sprayed properly, you know, with, uh, you know, stuff that doesn't kill fish, they've, they've gone out and done fish shocking studies after the grass has been sprayed, and they find, check this out, they find that the bass are all still there. They're all right where we left them. They're all healthy, and they're all right there. Uh, but here's the problem as an angler. I can't catch them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know what's going on when that happens but it's almost like the the fish become uh affected in some way that the, the their habitat is is dying off uh they get freaked out and you know get stressed out uh, likely i don't i 
but I can't catch them. Now, if I like, if I'm a tournament guy and I found fish there, and I go there the next day and it's been sprayed, I, you know, of course I'm bummed out because uh, I think it's going to change. But I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to make those patterns work. But I'm going to efficiently move, uh, recognizing that I'm going to see a change. So what I do in that situation, Steve, is, um, man, I'm, I'm just going to go to the areas that aren't sprayed. And that's just because it's stable. Yep. The patterns there, the, the, are you're going to be able to trigger strikes better. And you just got to say goodbye to that area at that moment and come back to it at a different time. But DNR tells me the fish are not killed, but I, I can't catch them out of sprayed areas. Yeah. So just to relate a little story, a uh, buddy of mine, Keith Thomas, up there on, uh, on, on Nakamixon, he's – Lived there his whole life, and they spray Nakamixon, right? Mm-hmm. So they just sprayed it right after the bass spawn and killed all the grass. And Keith grabbed, you know, he was he was pretty irate about it. You know, we don't we don't like it. We don't like the way it's affecting it. You know, they keep saying, like you're saying, they're not. A f- I don't know. I don't know how it couldn't affect them. Um, so he grabbed, a, uh, you know, the DNR officer there on the lake and took him for a ride, said, this is the biggest spawning cove in the lake. Where's all the fry? And they just covered the banks. Just He took them out there for hours covering the banks. No no fry. He says, so how are you allowing these guys to spray right after the, or like during the spawn? Furthermore, downstream from this, cows drink from the water, dairy cows, blah, 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 blah. He, he called Harrisburg. He threw a fit. And got, they, 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 they put a stop to it pending investigations. Right, I I think it's pretty dope that he he took had action. Yeah. He took action and and seriously, man, it seems kind of I don't know. You it, know, I, I I can't pull asbestos tiles off a roof without triple bagging it and paying all kinds of extra. We money had to wear to masks state. everywhere for the last. Yeah, two years. we had to wear a mask, <laughs> and here they're just gonna go spraying chemicals. You know, the right s- yeah. same active ingredients are in Roundup, and yeah, let's go stra- spray the lake. Well, yeah, I, I I'm with you. I've been on both sides, but. You know, the DNRs no, come on. Nope. It's come on our show, and they've said you you've know, only been on up, our side, Pete. <laughs> they've said straight up that the, you know, unless they're spraying illegal chemicals or they're doing something illegal, the the stuff that they're using to kill grass has to be approved by the DNR for them to apply it. They got to get permits. One to thing do that it. I can that I can tell you is that the, they were not in control of when the lake was being sprayed. Yeah. So whoever's spraying the lake, it's it, you know, it's subbed out. State subs out the money. They got money to spray the lake. They got to spend it. The guys that were spraying it were not, they did not care that the bass had just spawned. Of you course, know? yeah. So they're not following that. That's, that's, that, I think that's important. Uh, uh, they yeah. should be paying attention to what's going on in the body of water. Well, the two organizations, everybody needs to be talking to each other. True. And um, that's probably not happening. Because, you know, if the fry are there, now they've got nothing to protect them. Right, right. So, so they're sitting ducks. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But go to the healthy grass. Here's to here, but shout he, out to Keith Thomas. <laughs> yeah, right. back to you, Peter. advocate right. for the spawn uh, over at Knock Mixon. Yep. Thank you, buddy. Um, here's a couple things. Now, what I do is when it has been sprayed, there's going to come a time when the effects on the bass are done. Like the day they spray, or two, three days later, seems the biggest. But then everything starts to dissipate. And the fish can move back into those areas, and all the grow. Even when they spray, there's grass that survives. Yeah. So the the green stuff is going to pull them in, 
And a lot of times that can be a big draw. Um, I don't know if you remember Gary Klein, because you're, you're a big fan of the sport too. But on Lake Seminole, uh, this was a key deal. He won Lake Seminole targeting the dead hyacinths. Yeah. That's a great draw, though, because it, it draws heat, you know. And yeah. that time of the year was pre-spawn when he won. Mm -hmm. You know what Stacked I mean? So that's heat. that's definitely – it's a little bit different than, than spraying them, I think. I don't think they sprayed those hyacinths. I think they were just dead from the winter. You know what I mean? Maybe so. I, I don't – I thought it was spray. I can't remember. Right. But yeah. there was green ones and there was dead ones. And he focused on the dead ones and uh, won the tournament. So that's the other thing is when that grass dies, it creates mats. It can create habitat. Yeah. And the know. thing I heard about it is that when the grass, because I dealt with a pack on, you know, fishing up there, and it's homeowners dumping chemicals into the lake. And oh. what happens is the grass, when it dies, it depletes, it depletes, yeah, it depletes the oxygen, right? Yep. The grass is giving off oxygen. Once it's starting to die, it starts to deplete. The, right. the oxygen. They so, fish leave. They forced uh, out. I, I've heard guys say that they've caught them out of out of it, and I fished a pack on a bazillion times, and I just either go for shallow or try to find grass that's not being affected. And the grass beds that will be left alone are the smaller or shoreline rim grass um, or, like I said, smaller pockets of grass. They're usually going to spray the big, gigantic, flat beds of grass, and they leave the smaller ones alone. But once the chemical's in the water, I don't point. know if it – goes through the whole system or not but um that's that's generally what i do fish out or try to find the grass beds that are very isolated that they're not going to bother spraying i like that boy that's pretty neat the big ones are going to get all the attention so move to those uh smaller grass beds that's pretty cool that's good that's a great concept and uh and spraying of great grass point. man it's killed oh my gosh i can't believe at one time in louisiana that i come out and they're spraying actively spraying the, the where I have my school of fish located. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And they are absolutely gone. But great question, Steez. Uh, Riz, I'll throw it back to you. Who else is on the IM board? All right. Uh, the next question is going to come from Slater, uh, and he wants to know. Slater. Slater. He wants to know, when fishing a lake with multiple forms of vegetation like reeds, pads, or hydrilla, what makes you focus on one type of cover in an area and why the bass are there i'll uh do you want to take that yeah i mean for me it depends on the time of the year i mean you know uh like i said the progression usually hydrilla grows up a little bit later on i don't know if he's from down south or or where he's located but um you know usually in the early season i'm going to fish shallower the pads and the reeds and as the summer progresses i'll be out in the hydrilla more you know but there's a time when fish in grass do go shallow you know you hit that july august time frame like i said they're going to be dirt or deep and so you know depending on the time of the year i would fish the reeds and the pads early and then as the summer progressed i would fish more into the hydrilla yeah it's a good strategy dirt or deep dirt or deep so you're either going shallow or way deep right so bass um it's a good question man because from my experience when you fish these places the month of june and about halfway into july um the fish there's i'm not saying you can't catch them shallow but the winning bags seem to be in the grass but as the summer progresses the fish will move shallow or they'll get on hard cover even sometimes you'll still have enough winning fish in the grass but the bass tend to scatter more and i always thought that as the summer progressed because if you ever go up to a lake a natural lake 
the amount of algae that grows on the docks and the rocks and everything else and tons of bait fish just move in there and, uh, and uh, later in the summer, you know, that gets that shallow bite going. And I know fishing these natural lakes that I fish, you know, end of July, August, you know, you start seeing those shallow guys starting to beat up on them grass guys a little bit, man, you know, yeah. and that's kind of how it goes down. So that's my that, perspective. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I see it even on the, uh, like, the, the – lakes like kentucky lake the tennessee river chain like it they're not all grass lakes but they tend to be deepest in the post spawn like a douglas lake which has no right. grass yeah and then as they get later into the summer they scatter yeah like yeah, they're absolutely. in all depth zones right so it's it's not just grass lakes that does it but it's even lakes without grass and as you get later into the summer you, the shallow bite can be productive and uh and it's a great question slater and and i here's my my answer i Hydrilla reeds pads. I concentrate on when they're biting in the reeds better. I fish reeds. When they're biting in the pads better, I fish pads. It's <laughs> about as simple as a guess. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's a silly answer, right? But, yeah, but, but yeah. no, they're they're. I mean, here's the deal. You re, your question reminds me of Florida lakes. Yeah. Right, because you get in a Florida lake and you've got arrowheads, then you got the you know reeds. Then you've got Kissimmee grass. grass. Yeah. Then you've got eel grass. Then yeah. you've got hydrilla, mm -hmm. and you're like you're, and it all looks amazing. Yeah. You know yeah. how how do you decide where to fish and and what's going on? But but the one thing that I've discovered in lakes like that is the biomass seems to all move together. Like you get into an area where that's where they're at, you right, know, right. the baits there, the fish are there. And then you have to discern based on the seasonal patterns, you know, what are they going to do? But, uh, you know, pad, pad fields, they can be good for a multitude of times a year. They, we, we, uh, just saw Brian new win fishing lily pad roots, yeah. uh, down in Florida. And because they will spawn on the lily pad root system, reeds and arrowheads are often indicative of a harder bottom that will also hold the spawn. So that's going to be a great time to concentrate on on those types of things. And then, you know, like just like you said, late, you know, as the fish move out, uh, you know, in the post spawn, the, the hydrilla can be, you know, a huge factor. And, of course, in the cold water seasons, those hydrilla mats, those rolling mats yeah. are, are a great, great deal. But um, – but it's complicated when you're when you're fishing in uh, in places that have such an abundance of grass on on where to get started and how to approach it. But but what I do is I do move a lot. I move a lot in those areas because I know when I'm on those bodies of water because I know if I'm not catching them, I'm not around the biomass. I'm not around them. So I got to move efficiently until I find an area that's got the bait. It's going to have the bass. And uh, it's funny here on the Chesapeake lately. Uh, uh, we keep going back to that, but the 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 goldfish. You see all the goldfish that we have mm. out there. I don't know if you've been out there lately, but we've got goldfish everywhere, yeah. uh, and they're like koi that were released. You can see them from a mile away, and every time you see those koi, they're around the bass, they're around yep. the bait, they're around everything. Yep. So you don't even you don't even need to really know much out there right now, other than go and look for the goldfish. Mark, uh, marker buoys. They are. Marker buoys, man. Yeah. Great question, Slater. Um, Back to Slater. Hey, so uh, I got one uh, from Anthony Geis off uh, Geese Geis off uh, YouTube. He says, does anyone smell the grass? Mm. 
Interesting. I mean, it depends how well you know your guy. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of grass we talking? Is that a real question? He's from no. California, but yeah, that's, he, just, that's funny. He he says he he likes a, uh, a a strong musk on his sand grass and a sweet hit to his milfoil. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, see, I, I know that like we have that sand grass that grows on the natural lakes, that yeah. deep grass, and it has that real pungent state. Mm-hmm. It stinks. You know, it's an unpleasant scent, and uh, never really thought about the you know the using the aroma as a fish finding tool or mechanism. But uh, I imagine there's scents that that draw the bait and draw push it away. Uh, I mean, you've got a power bait on right there. Yeah. Right. There's 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 definitely something to it. Yeah, how about the grass that Jake was covered in at the <laughs> the, the swamp party we had the other day? Rich, you got that pick? Yeah. I do have that pick. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. uh we we need to show that pick. Yeah, that's that South if, Jersey grass. If you can pull that up, Rich, I don't know if you can, but uh we have something called Black Death. That's what we call <laughs> it. And uh it is a moss. It's but it's alive. It, it 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 wipes out a lot of stuff. But it's this. Uh, you probably fished if you've if you ever got that black gunk on your hooks and you got to pick it off. You know, um, we get it in gobs and you know just acres of it around here. Yeah. But it's full of these little microorganisms. It's full of life. Little crabs. You look in there, and um, you know it, it's got a lot of life to it. But it also starves oxygen. It kills grass, and it outcompetes a lot of different things. But um, it's it's terrible. Yeah, you you literally you lit, literally can't even throw a weightless senko sometimes <laughs> without coming back with that 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 slime on your hook. Well, it's got to be the yin and yang of the universe. You know, our food is fantastic here. Yeah, and uh, and the fish is terrible. And so is the, <laughs> so is that well, vegetation. let me let me tell you something. Down I, on pat, I've been on patterns that um, around here that that black uh, moss in the early seasons is everything. Yeah. Because the, especially in the springtime, like it'll draw heat, yeah. it'll warm up yeah. faster, and it'll bring the earliest uh, pre-spawn fish. So, but it's like you said, BTC. It's impossible to fish around. You can't can't let anything touch it, and it just fouls your lure up, and mm. uh, nothing you can do about it. But uh, but great questions. I you know we got a lot of uh, cool stuff sitting out here, Bob. Let's dive in, man. Mm. We got some baits, mm. and uh, we got some. Uh, some pretty cool strategies, and I want to talk about it because I, I do some things in the grass that are a little bit different, but you do too, man. Let's, uh, I, how do you want to take us through this? Like maybe, you know, power through finesse or seasonal? How do you want to talk about the bait you got here? Yeah, I mean, there's times when it all kind of <laughs> can play, or there's times where, you know, depending on where you go in the country, believe it or not, you know, some things are better than others. And it, it's kind of weird to say that, but, um, you know, New York bass are different than Jersey bass in the grass, mm-hmm. you know, from my perspective, man. And um, you could use a lot of different lures to catch them up there, but more leaning towards power fishing. You know, where Jersey bass are, you know, they're to me, you know, old school, you'd go out there with a jig and that was it, you know. But nowadays, you know, the fish, I guess a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure in the grass, and you got to use more finesse type techniques to mm-hmm. catch them, you know what I mean? Yep. As I just interrupt you for a second, I see Jake up there on the screen. Th- this yeah, is this is the Black Death that yeah, we were talking about. That's disgusting, man. <laughs> <laughs> he is disgusting. I that t- is what we deal with, people. Yeah. Okay. 
This yeah. we see acres of this. Uh, it's you know he's standing in two three feet of water, and this is this is just like a floating death mat. <laughs> uh, and uh, but but like I said, there's so many things living in it. Um, Shout out to Jake. That's Jake Gluzik. I mean, how bold is he, man? He he doesn't care, man. He just he's an outdoorsman. He just dives in the nastiest stuff he can find. I like it. I I like like that a lot about him. It's awesome. I love it. We got um we got somebody on the uh, on the Zoom line here, Pete. If we want to bring in a subscriber, yeah. Let me let me see if we can get him chucked up. You guys keep rocking, and uh, we'll work on. All right, we're talking power finesse, Bob. Power finesse, man. So we'll talk about the Zara spook first, and uh, this is definitely a bait. Like if you get over milfoil grass, you know, and typically in those natural lakes, that milfoil grass will grow out to like twelve feet, you know. And this is an awesome bait to call up those fish in that seven, eight, nine, ten feet of water. Um, you know, big gigantic, massive milfoil flats. And the other thing I like about this arrow spook is it'll get you some big bites. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But here's one of the interesting things is that. Um, you, you, you know, a lot of guys just throw this in the morning, you know, low light conditions, whatever. But I've had my biggest bites on a Zara Spook on bluebird days over the grass. Wow. It's just something about it. I mean, it definitely calls up those fish. You get bigger bites. You catch small mouths on it. Um, it's, a, it's a good bait for even, like, locating fish. And uh, you can cover tons of water with it where, like, you don't want to go out on a big grass flat to throw in a pop bar because you're not going nowhere. You just don't cover enough water. You know, right, with a right. spook, you can work it and cover it, you know, pretty fast, man. So it's definitely, um, for me, something if I'm going to grass lake, natural lake, I'm going to definitely have a spook tied on, no doubt about it. That's interesting. And that's it is a common myth. It's like morning and evening. Yeah. But there's no doubt that that can happen. Now, why do you think that is uh, on the those that tall grass? Do you think uh, later in the day those fish come up in the canopy to feed with that bright sun? I that that's a good question i don't you know well it, it's kind of funny too um that you mentioned that because to me bass and the grass are spurt feeders right so you know you always get a spurt in the grass to about nine o'clock then you get these like lulls you know and mm-hmm. then you know around 11 12 o'clock one o'clock in the afternoon they start biting again you know yeah. and so i think that you know you have to you know, you play that to your advantage a lot of times. And a lot of times, to be honest with you, my tournament strategy for fishing grass, a lot of times after 9.30, I usually leave it for a while, and then I'll come back. That's pretty cool. Right. Now, how does the tide change yeah. Change your theory there? Well, I'm talking more on natural lakes. Gotcha. When you're talking okay. about the tide, right. it's definitely more right. – um, you know, more influenced by, you know, being at there at the same, at a, you know, a certain right, right, uh, right. tide change or whatever the case may be. But again, with the tide change itself, too, is that, you know, a lot of times once that tide turns and comes in for a little bit, it shuts the fishing down. He flushes all this new fresh mud in, the fish don't bite for a little bit. And then once right. you start getting into the tide a little bit farther, the fish will bite again. But in the meantime, yeah. you can be doing something different. Yeah. Yep. You know, instead of wasting your time in the grass, it's really not mm-hmm. doing anything. So, you well, know, it, it's, you know, for me, I, I always do, you know, my formula is I, I fish out in the grass to start, and then I get up on the bank and see how it goes, and if that's not happening, I'll go back out to my that's grass amazing. stuff. Well, you know, that's that's the Cayuga tournament that we fished together. That's how I won right. the tournament. Right. Uh, it was capitalized, because that was exactly like you're talking about. Can we about. talk about this off air? <laughs> 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 Hush. <Yeah. laughs> but but the the... the the grass bite was powerful for the first two or three 
hours, right. maybe. And then it just dissipated dis- until, and th- it never came back. Right. Like, it never came back in the that afternoon. That happens a lot in the grass. You know, yeah. and, um, you know, so I had to do some different things to, to do well in the tournament. Ed, so. Ed Cowan told you both, just, just stop. Just don't, <laughs> yeah. don't tell them. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie, dude, he's a good dude. <laughs> yep. Uh, another super talented grass fisherman. Oh, without a doubt, man. Without a doubt. But um, so we're uh, we're talking about we talked about top water. Um, what's what's your what's your next move? I mean, you know, again, depending on where I'm fishing, what I'm going to throw, you know, the state that I'm in, you know, as far as like if I'm in New York or New Jersey or fishing tidal water or whatever the case may be, um, you know, a lot of times I'm gonna I'm gonna vertical fish bass you know and so one of the key things to finding sweet spots in the grass man is that in the morning when you have that window that three hour window right even though it's a natural lake man it's almost like a tidal fishery because once that 9 nine thirty, a lot of times it starts to die off but so when i'm trying to find those sweet spots i'm trying to cover as much water as possible right and if i catch a fish i just waypoint it and then just keep moving but i'll look like say say it gets later in the day i might get up on a big grass flat and just look for irregular features and waypoint them all in the next morning when i know the bass are chomping you know in the grass i'll hit them all and try to determine which ones yeah. would be good if any of them are good or and i've had situations where i caught a bass 40 of them came up with it to the boat right you're like yeah this is it this is a spot tournament day and then i you know later in the day i got a spot where i caught 112 inch and i waypointed like yeah whatever and tournament day i go to the spot where the 40 came up and can't get a bite and where the 12 inch came up there they you know, are there they are mm-hmm. and they end up winning the tournament and that's kind of like it's so um but like that's I, not, that time of day is so critical. Yeah, it is, it's yeah. super critical, man. I mean, when you're out there practicing grass places, you want to get out there as early as you possibly can, man, and you want to cover as much water as you can, mm-hmm. but you want to hit, hit, you know, the key features like we talked about, you know, some irregularity or thicker, or, you know, whatever it is. And, and um, you know, then once you, once you locate the fish in the morning, they're usually eating, you can throw – you know, whatever, flip a jig or whatever. But then once, you know, sometimes if you're going to stay out in the grass, a lot of times you got to switch techniques, go to something more finesse, or mm-hmm. you could try cranking them, spinner baiting them, whatever you want to do. You know what I mean? Yep. And I see some of those things here. Um, well, some of these things, which I think are pretty cool, um, and guys wouldn't think about drop or drop shot in the grass. And we're going to get into that. Are we? Are we ready? We've got a we've got a Zoom caller. On we're we're gonna yeah t- when you're ready Pete we we do have a Zoom caller yeah let, sitting here let's let's go ahead and uh, hanging we'll, out we'll come back to some finesse techniques in the grass and um, I want to talk to some of our guys uh, caller who what's your name where are you from hey hey guys it's uh, Mac Attack um, from Northeast Maryland right mm. over the bridge from y'all okay mm. so, guys um, welcome welcome. I got it. I got a question. So what, what is the largest swim bait or plastic that you have thrown in grass um, at any particular time of year? It doesn't matter which lake. Um, just, you know, something that's not biting on something smaller. You're not getting, you may be getting bumps. You're maybe getting some nibbles, but you want to get something a little bit larger. And, and if it's too large, you know, of course, cutting it down or biting the head off of it and putting it back on the hook a little bit smaller so the hook's a little bit closer to the end. What's the largest one you've had on there? Um, well, I'll, ta- I'll tackle that. Like, uh, 
You know, it's weird. You know, one of the places that, that you're from, you know, a lot of times it, it's odd that the finesse baits often or smaller baits sometimes can get the, the winning fish. What, did you catch your biggest one on, Pete? Uh, my biggest bass uh, on the flats came on a, uh, a flick shake four-inch uh, stick bait, uh, six-pound test in the month of April. Jeez. Uh, crazy. And it, it, I don't know how big it was. I've caught eight-pounders on the scale. It was clearly bigger than that. It might have been nine, might have been ten. Uh, I'm going to say it was 11. So uh, <laughs> it makes me feel good. But, uh, it was definitely an 11. <laughs> definitely how, 11. How tall was the grass, Pete? Say that again? How tall was the grass? Well, actually, there it, it was April, and the grass had right. not right. established. So okay. I was actually fishing rock. I was fishing in some pre-spawn, right. rocky, hard areas. Bluebird day, hardly caught any fish. And that, man, that's always when the biggest one mm-hmm. bites. But but back to the big baits, there's, you know, the some of the, you know, I'm not, like, I've been out with Oliver Nye's, awesome watching him throw those baits, oh, yeah. and I have, yeah, I have them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing more experimentation with the glides and all that stuff. But I, I've caught, I've gone up to six-inch, uh, it's really not that big in a lot of parts of the country, but the Big Easy um, is one that I've thrown. The 360, these these they're closer to six inch swim baits. Um, I put, you know, I've done underspins on them. I've been pretty successful using swim baits uh, out in the grass using those techniques. But one of the other ones that that isn't a swim bait that is big and I use it a lot of times in the post spawn is I use a mop jig, a big Mm -hmm. full-size jig with a big trailer. Uh, And there are times and situations where, like, you'll catch all the big fish that swim nearby. Uh, But those are my big tools. That's that's really as far as I've taken it, uh, you know, in my my grass fishing. But I do own glide baits. I do uh, – I'm – it's something that I'm continuing to learn. You know, do you use big baits, Bob? Have you have you dove down, going down that rabbit hole? Yeah, I mean, I I throw big baits. You know, every kind of time I go fishing is to see if they'll eat something bigger. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? To make big big baits, big bass. You know yep. what I mean? But um, it seems like with the pressure that the flats gets, man, it's um, yeah. You know, th- those bigger baits don't get near the bites that you know, the more finessey stuff gets. But, I mean, you can catch them on big swim baits down there. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You know, but. I, uh, my daughter and I were fishing a, well, we fished Upper Chesapeake Bassmaster Tournament. It's a little club, maybe about 15, 20 boats. But um, we were there three weekends ago. And um, these guys were, they were cherry picking. They were going around. It wasn't illegal for the tournament. They were going around to anchor. And uh, they were fishing the stressed out fish. And I'm one of those. I want to teach my daughter integrity. I want to teach her the right way. Find the fish. Earn the fish. Look at the graph. Use the right tools. So we fished all day. It was probably close to about an hour before we were supposed to come in for weighing at three. And we we ramped out at Perryville. And um, I'm like, let's head back to the flats. It's, It's a little bit later in the day. The tide's a little different. Let's check out the grass. So we ran down Perry Point, and, uh, and you know, it was pretty decent. And uh, there was hardly anybody in that section. They were all out in the flats. So Perry Point, if you know that bank all the way down, right near the Hayden Bridge, giving some juice out there. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of juice, so I, I tied on a couple different things. So uh, this is a um, 
it's a wild fang series um uh v and m the ultimate bass and bait it's a nine and a half inch i don't know if you can see that can you see that all right nine and a half inch uh lizard bait um really large and um i threw of course you know tailed it up with little yeah, spike put, it hold, hold, hold that giant lizard back up there <laughs> yeah 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 right there that that reptile yeah. here's here's what it looks like yeah yeah the bait yeah get that bait back up there yeah by bayou outdoors made in usa mm -hmm. nine and a half inch nice spiral tail on this, this thing this like thing did, yeah garlic and, take, and um it's uh it's a green pumpkin nothing special on it uh wild lizzie that's what they're calling it the wild lizzie 9.5 and uh through the tail in some <laughs> dippets and uh and of course you know the old liquid mayhem so and this is the rig i had set up on uh so so uh, so what happened next so we're out there and and uh you know i'm just going down the point hitting the grass and all of a sudden um you know i see a couple boats that are flying by coming back towards the ramp and i'm like we got about a half hour left we had nothing in the live well and um so i picked this guy up and i just casted him out towards the um deeper part and just kind of popped him in popped him in boom hit i was like what bring in about a, a two and a half pounder i was like all right that's a start cast out again nothing i'm like you know what i'm gonna try a little closer because we're about maybe about 20 yards off the bank so i cast it into there Boom, another hit, popped it in, and our fault was this. We got two fish in the live well, and I did not stay there. That was my fault. I We kept moving with the trolling motor, trying to go up and down the bank, and we didn't get anything else for that rest of that half hour. But so my thought is, and my question maybe – How big were the fish? Or, uh, uh, one was two and a half, and one was three point – something okay. uh real it was, it, was about, it was almost about five maybe six pounds worth of fish so yeah. but and these guys you know they went around to anchor and they they cherry picked and you know that's just my own personal opinion you know it was legal it wasn't illegal it wasn't stated in our where our off you know areas where we couldn't fish but i just wanted my daughter to to learn to earn you know and and keep that integrity but so long story short um uh got these fish back slept well that night and uh, i guess my <laughs> you, you know my i guess my 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 question is you know would you have stayed there in that section after you caught two within three casts yes or would you have kept moving power pole down raptor down yeah, yeah. <laughs> spotlight you know a uh, bucket of yeah. concrete over the side yeah you, you want anytime you you we talked about it earlier in the grass man um, you just want to, you want to get them, you know, anchored down. You want to give it a chance. Uh, you want to fan cast, you want to cycle through a variety of baits. You're using a, a, a colossal Tyrannosaurus X lizard bait, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> which is great. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's huge, but you want to, you know, give them a different look, give them, you know, a, a different, uh, a smaller top water. You know, vibrating just, 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 yeah. Those fish are there for a reason, so you definitely want to um, cycle through and 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 fan cast through the area. But one of the, here's one of the keys, and and all you guys that fish the tides here, one of my key strategies, and it's been successful 
a lot is those bigger baits seem to thrive on the high water. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and that, to me, I guess, because there's so much water, there's so much volume there yeah. that the, the smaller baits disappear. Yep. They can't find them as well. And, and that's usually when I, I throw a jig when it's on, you know, high water a lot of times just because they can find it. They can find it. Yep. yep. So big baits, high water, and then adjust, you know, as the water gets lower. But, uh, but man, you look awesome in the Bash U hat, and I love the uh, thank, thank I love you. the Zoom background there, Ben. Yeah, thank you. That's uh, it was uh, the – you guys – I won a trivia question like a couple weekends ago or weeks ago with you guys, and I totally forgot about the package coming in the mail. And I, I, a pay-it-forward thing, uh, Brian knows about it because he, he clapped on the – you know, re- did a little reply on me. But um, real quick, I was had about an hour to kill. I went down to Northeast Park. And I was just going to walk the docks and I saw father and son and the guy's fishing and, you know, he's looked kind of rough and that he wasn't catching anything. So I came up, started talking to him, introduced myself, found out that I was doing tournaments. And he was like, what can I do? Right. This is the first rod and reel I've ever had. My, my son's six years old. What can I do? Showed him a couple of different things, showed him a knot or two, showed him, you know, just spinner bait, uh, something small for the kids. Uh, maybe get- not. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> okay. he's got another. and uh and uh and got uh you know got you know just something for the kids to get you know bluegill or crappie or whatever and uh the kid caught a, a, a catfish which was kind of cool nice. while we were there and uh so he was all excited six-year-old boy and uh, so shout out to brian because i know that he wanted to he really thanked me and uh and i was like man this is this is the way to go man i, I might come down here at least once or twice a week and just walk the docks and talk to people and uh, I came home that day, and guess what was in the mail? The prize pack from Bay Bass U. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I got to do a video. So I did a video and, and threw it on the Mac Attack uh, fan book page. And page so. Awesome. Nice. But, uh, yeah, it was definitely pay it forward. I, I really appreciate you guys and everything you guys do. And I just, you know, I want to spread that, that, you know, that love, that education that you guys have and that you guys do on the videos and, I can't thank you guys enough for stuff that education that I get. Um, We want to thank you for being part of the programming and keep paying it forward. And and it's great that you're influencing other people to do it. And I appreciate you calling in. And uh, I'm really impressed that our shipping department actually got something out in the mail. (laughs) So that was, that was awesome. Hey, and, and hopefully we'll see you down the flats, man. And I really appreciate you coming and hanging out with us on the show. I, I, I appreciate it too. I got one other thing. How's JK doing? Oh, JK, professional fish head. Uh, you know, yeah. got he got ill uh, post classic, um, and he, you know, he's doing great. He's uh, he had a, you know, some type of virus. It seems it wasn't COVID, and um, it you know kicked him in the teeth a little bit. But he's a tough guy, and he's on the road to recovery. And uh, he's back to work. He's back to fishing, and awesome. uh, looking for uh, you know great things from him. But thanks, thanks for checking in on him. Yeah, and, uh, Send sure. love, send prayers. Definitely. Big time. Definitely. All right, will. Fellas. Thank you, man. We'll catch Thanks, up with Sean. you out on the water. We'll see you at the flats. Yeah, see you at the flats. Or the yeah. naughty goose. Orange crushes, baby. Get yeah. some orange crushes. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll see you at the bar there, Sean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See you there. That's why he's going to hang out there twice a week. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, line them up, boss. Yeah. Line them up. Uh, shoot. But uh, well, we're talking about power fishing, mm-hmm. uh, and we're talking about grass. And one of the cool things that 
that you're doing in the grass, and it's it's pretty wild that guys would never think to do this, but uh, you're throwing some pretty interesting finesse, finesse techniques in the grass. You have a drop shot with like a six-foot leader on it. it looks yeah, like so <laughs> the, the interesting thing about a, a drop shot in the grass, usually I have a cylinder weight on this, and, you know, you can shorten this leader up if you want it a little bit, but yeah. – um, you know, this gets the bait, the Senko to the bottom fast, but then it has its natural fall the rest of the way. You know what right. I mean? So um, this is, you know, a technique I'll use when, you know, it's been beat on and the, the fishing's getting more, you know, a little bit tougher. But, you know, you can just drop it in the grass. It's a little frustrating sometimes. I just use this one-odd octopus hook. I don't use any kind of, you know, wire guard on it or anything like that. But, um, you know, I just drop this in the holes. It sinks down. A lot of times you pick it up and they're already on it. Yeah. You know, but if this gets a Senko on, the other option to that is, you know, to flick shake or sometimes I'll just throw the Senko um, with no weight at all, just completely weightless. If there's no wind, you know, in the grass could be kind of a fickle time. Um, but I can tell you these are not my go-to baits right off the <laughs> bat. <laughs> you know, I'm going to try power fishing first, and then when it doesn't work or if there's a lot of pressure on the lake, um, you know, or whatever the case, a lot of tournaments, then I'll go more finesse stuff. And I have a couple other finesse baits. This is like, this is um, really cool. Cause I don't, I don't know anybody that's doing this. Yeah. So this, this bait here, and if Eddie Cowan's watching, I'm sure he, he, he knows about this deal, but, um, this, you know, throwing a fluke style bait in the grass with an eighth ounce. And this, this is a lot of guys will be like, what, you know, is that this is lead, you know, eighth ounce lead weight on a on a fluke like, and it's all in the fall. It has a real good glide to it, and this will mm -hmm. get bites more than even a Texas rig senko sometimes. You know, and no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so somebody somebody will ask, why do you use lead? And the reason why, when you get into these heavily pressured natural lakes like we fish around here. Um, the speed of the fall can mean the difference between getting bites and getting nothing. I've seen, you know, 15-pound tests not get a bite, and somebody throw 17 and get a ton of bites with mono, you know, because – and so the lead has more drag to it. It's bigger, and it has more – it definitely falls a little bit slower. So it's kind of an old-school technique, but um, I always just throw it on lead. And you want a lot of times in the grass, you know, the fish will bite it on the fall um, – and a lot of times you can't get it to fall slow enough, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, there's different ways to bass bite. Sometimes they bite on the fall. Sometimes you got to doodle it on the bottom. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, you got a long cast and pull it over every grass clump. But, um, and this, this is similar, um, this technique here. This is, you know, this old school seven inch black power worm with a 316 lead weight. Hey, hey before, again, before, you, before you get off the fluke. Three of our four bites at Marrow on uh, Saturday came on the, that there that there technique. Is that right? Well, came on that bait. Two of them exactly like Bob's talking, like a fifteenth ounce on a little jerk shads, mm -hmm. and then um, I had one on a screw head after he caught his second bite on it, um, and we saw a couple bust. The only ones I saw all day. It did absolutely nothing straight. Wow. But it was, you know, it was the, the, the color of the bait, the, mm. the, the shape. But two of, two of our four bites came on, so what Bob's the, talking about. It's an interesting thing that you mentioned color because I think in the grass, color means more than when you're fishing isolated targets, man. I mean, I've seen color mean everything, you know. Mm. 
And so you think it means more in the grass. More in the, more grass, in the grass, man. Wow. By far. Come and on, let's so go. I, I <laughs> this color black, you look at it and say, you know, if I'm going to tie on a bait, it's generally going to be black, even in gin clear water. Uh -huh. It's an awesome, awesome color. So one time, and I've learned all these things through tournament fishing, right? So me and my brother used to fish tournaments together, and we had a big bag of red shad power worms, right? And oh, he's yeah. crushing them. I'm not getting a bite. But I notice he's picking all the black ones out. Right and and leaving all the red shad ones for me. I'm catching pickerel and he's catching bass. You know, so you kind of learn, you know, that you know color um, definitely um, can play a factor in the grass. You might want to switch colors if you're not getting bit or just to show the fish something different. I'm not a big green pumpkin guy. You know, I'll throw it here and there, but you know, black, black, blue. You know, even on a jig. Um, you know, and this. This, to me, is a money bait, man. I mean, if you get them on a jig, they're usually the right kind, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the interesting things about fishing a jig in the grass, when you go to places like New York to fish, the Cayugas and Champlains and places like that, you can't get the bait fast enough to the bottom, right? Right. So if you throw a bait like this, you catch two-pounders. You throw this bait like this, you catch four-pounders. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just the rate of fall, man. I, I don't know what it is with the New York bass, but if you do that in Jersey – you're probably coming back with an empty live well, right? You get them no-pounders. Yeah, you need more finesse stuff in Jersey. Um, and this will work on Oneida, you know, fishing the cabbage grass. Um, Cayuga has a lot of cabbage grass on it, the southern part of, of Champlain. Um, if you told me to tie one bait on, you're going to go out in the grass and try to win a tournament, I'm going to throw a jig. Now, this is a great early morning bait because it push off, puts off a lot of pressure waves. The mm -hmm. bass could find it. And then as the day wears on, a lot of times you might have to switch tactics. Now, when you won your tournament, it would be good if you knew what kind of weight you were throwing, size <laughs> at least. <laughs> but, you know, Pete threw a three-quarter ounce weight yep. on a five-inch Senko. The thing went to the bottom, dude, and probably left a dent in the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, but with that being said, those New he York told bass. told everybody it was a three-eighths, right? <laughs> yeah. With that being said, those New York bass, for whatever reason, man, they like those bigger fish, want the, bottom, the bait going to the bottom like a bullet. And yeah. I, back in the old red man days, you know, with, with a French fry, right? The old French fry, four inch French fry. Looks there you go, like man. That. Right. And so, uh, you know, guys would put on a four inch French fry with like a three eight sinker. That's how fast it's going to the bottom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, you know, like I said, I don't know what the deal well, is. Well, let, let, let me, let me explain a, a situation that I encountered that really exemplifies your point. And uh, this, this occurred in a crystal clear river system that I was fishing. You could see five feet to the bottom was gin clear. And, um, and I'm fishing undercut banks. And as I'm fishing these undercut banks, I, uh, I'm passing bass, right? I can, I'm, I'm, I'm casting to them and not catching them with, with standard, you know, weights, you know, right. quarters, three, three-eighths. Um, I switched up to finesse. I went to light shaky heads, light line, uh, super finessey stuff, and I continue to fish, continue to not catch fish. Hmm. I turned around and put on the heaviest jig that I had, a one-ounce jig, and uh, in a foot of crystal clear water, fishing right back through where I, where I saw the fish and right. couldn't, couldn't get them finesse, uh, the one-ounce jig, boom! 
right to the bottom, like you said, leaving a, a divot yeah. in the bottom. <laughs> well, the, but, the, but the fish were getting that, that super fast fall bait before it ever hit the bottom. That's crazy, man. So Just the reaction. It's the reaction. Yeah. And, and the fish. And a lot of times, like it happened for me at Cayuga, it happens in that August, that dog days of summer. Right. Where the fish get weird. They get hard to catch. They've seen everything fall slow. But something zipping by their head at 100 miles an hour can get them to go. And uh, and that's what I did. <laughs> we joke about the weight because Bob's, Bob was asking. I thought I was throwing a half ounce, but the tungsten are so close in size. Yeah. He looked at it and said, that's three quarters. And then yeah. I, I double-checked his work, and he was right. I was, uh, <laughs> I was actually throwing a three quarters and not a half. Yeah. Uh, Whatever won it. Bob, do you remember this? I, it's, it's a story from back you know, a few years ago when you were in, the, in, the, in your heyday of your savagery. And uh, you were, I think you were out there with fishing with Pete. It was Pete or, or, or I think it was Pete you were you were picking on, and uh, you were asking him what, how, what, how heavy the weight weight he's using. I said, "What the hell kind of how heavy is that weight? That thing's sinking faster than you are in the standings." <laughs> that was Mansu. Oh, uh, was it Mansu? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I yeah. I thought it was that was Pete. that was years ago. We were striper fishing. Dude, what oh. a waste of time that was, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Out on the on the chest on the flats. No, we were up to Delaware, man. Oh god. Yeah. Oh, that's when Mansu. he used to run those uh, yeah, Mansu jet, boat the jet trips. Boat, man. Yeah. But um. You know, sinking faster than you are in the standings. Yeah, That's and another a, another <laughs> tech <laughs> classic soliism. Uh, oh yeah, man. <laughs> and another technique a lot of guys don't soul-ism. use. And um, you know, you can especially on the New York lakes, which you're gonna see guys start going to here soon. But um, you know, a lot of guys and Jersey guys mostly, man. But you know, cranking could be a great way to catch them in the grass, man. And um. Matter of fact, the one tournament I fished up at Cayuga, I thought it was going to be my main deal. I started the first day off like that, man, because I was catching big ones, cranking with this is a Series 5, and, um, you know, just out on the edge of, edge of the grass. But the, the odd thing about that bite was that when I was catching in practice, it was sunny as can be. Mm-hmm. First day of the tournament was cloudy. I couldn't get a bite on it. Make any sense? No. No, exactly what I thought, man. So I actually went to flipping in the grass and i had one little tiny point i had but you yep. know by that time you probably had 20 pounds pete but you know <laughs> me i was struggling dude you know <laughs> but um you know i it, i but, picked up a big weight and went to work you yeah. know well the the cranking is key yeah uh, ike won uh down at lake seminole cranking yeah. and ripping uh ripping crankbaits out of the grass edges uh the outside grass edges uh guys um cayuga lake this time of year post-spawn yeah. And fish are going to be pulling to the outside edges, and and a lot of times the big bags come on the deep diving crankbaits. Yeah, and you could vary sometimes. You know, I know I, you know, you can like uh, the southern part of Champlain. You know, you might catch them on a square bill. And the other interesting thing is sometimes you want to vary whether the bait has rattles in it or not. Sometimes I've seen that matter a lot, where you can get them on a bait that has no rattles. You can't get bit on a bait that has rattles in it. Um, and the other bait. Uh, this isn't exactly the bait I would throw, but usually a three-quarter or one-ounce spinner bait with a big will leaf on it and slow rolling in those same spots that you would crank, man. I mean, you're talking trying to catch big ones, you yeah. know, and, um, you know, it's a great technique because, you know, 90% of the bass caught on these lakes a lot of times during a tournament are pitching plastics, right? Everybody's yep. out there throwing plastics in the grass, you know, so... 
Um, it's a different look to them sometimes, and a lot of times that can really fire them up. And you can, you know, you can catch them around guys that are throwing plastics, and you're out there cranking, and you know, you all of a sudden you're catching catching good ones of the right kind. So, you know, all these techniques kind of work in different times and different conditions and whatever the case may be. Absolutely, uh, great spattering of baits, and uh, well, it's all the key stuff that catches them. BTC, you got something for us? Uh, yeah, I got. Um I've got Mara Soli on Facebook wants to know, Bob, uh, my husband, your brother wants to know, how do you find fish without him in the boat? <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's a lot easier, I'll tell you, man. <laughs> Ask him about what happened to his cooler, man, on uh, Cayuga, dude. I mean, I was out there, had a stomach problem, dude, you know, and... You know, his core was a porta john for me at the time. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we used to have a lot of fun. Me and my brother used to fish tournaments together, dude, a lot. And we went all over the place, all these grass lakes and everything, dude. And it was a lot of fun, man. We used to have a blast. You know how it was with us, Pete. We used yeah. to joke and go out and catch them and have a good time, man. I mean, yeah, for about. people that don't know, Bob qualified for the Classic twice and your brother – yeah, even though, you know, I probably yep. I should be three and he should be zero, dude. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's but kinda... you guys were just in Bassmaster uh, not too long yeah, ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Your brother Soli, yeah. one, of, one he, of the few brother combinations that it's funny. qualified for the classic. Yeah, yep. I, he qualified in 98, and it was a kind of a funny story. We're at the divisional down at Kerr. I led the tournament the first day. He had three pounds. I had 15. I'm thinking he's no threat, dude, you know? <laughs> so I, I cut my bait off and gave it to him. I said, throw this, dude, and the next day he smokes him, dude. You know what I mean? And the rest is history. Did but he really? Yeah, oh, true what was, story, What dude. was the bait? Chug bug. Oh, Chug bug. Yeah. Yep. So oh, he he caught a big bag the last or the second day, and then he caught you know three good ones the last day. You know, Kerr in the fall, super tough dude. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, you know it was it was cool, man, because I went to watch him weigh in. He fished High Rock Lake down there in, in um, North Carolina, and the, the weirdest thing about it was the very next year I qualified for the Classic, but I had no inkling it was coming. How did you qualify the next I year? I qualified in the points and the invitationals. I finished fifth overall and out of 400 guys, you know, some yeah. guy from Jersey, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Most of the places we went to, I had never even been to. And, uh, you know, just, you know how fishing is when you're on a roll. Back in the day, it's <laughs> kind of funny how different fishing is now, man. I mean, I, I lived on a spinnerbait. You know, back in the day, I covered tremendous amounts of water, dude. Yeah. And, you know, I, I literally, I told Rich this one time, I didn't own a spinning rod until, dude, I was like 40. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not what I threw, dude. Yeah. You know, if I picked one up and the boat was coming by, I'd hurry up and put it on a deck. You know, I can't see me throwing this thing, dude, you know. So I, I lived on a spinner bait and a jig, and that's kind of what I did, dude. You know, nope. it was my deal. So, you know, I... Yeah. I I, I, remember, I, I remember feeling that same way out at the, the Bassmasters when I first started qualifying. Yeah, dude, you remember feeling that way, dude? Yeah, yeah. Was I sounding like you? No, him? but I'm trying to get you to. <laughs> <laughs> Coaching you up, Pete. <laughs> but I, I, I wouldn't hey, – I'd put the spinning rod down. Roland Martin would come by. I'd hide the spinning rod. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're yeah. terrified. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you can't be you seen get a bad that, rap, man. You know? This guy's fishing with a spinning yeah. rod, man. I remember you know? uh, saying – was that the year you did good on Santee Cooper with the big spinnerbait? Yeah. Speaking of which, it was like you found the only patch – 
of grass yeah. on the lower lake. Yeah. Uh, what's that, Moultrie? Or? Moultrie, yeah. Moultrie. Yeah. And you, a, God almighty, they were giants. Yeah, it was an interesting tournament for me, man, because this is no exaggeration. People say, well, you know, you had a bad practice. How can you turn a bad practice into a good tournament? And um, <laughs> I fished for 36 straight hours in practice without a bite. Without a single bite, dude. And I found this little depression on the flat. I had some stumps in it with some grass. And the first day of the tournament, I just, you know, my partner wasn't on nothing. Nobody was, you know. Remember, it was cold and muddy. And, yeah. Um, so I said, well, we'll run down to Moultrie, and I'll stop and fish this spot. And uh, I threw a Carolina rig on it for about five casts, and I picked up a one-ounce spinnerbait with a number seven will leaf on it and a gigantic kaolin grub. And bombed it out in the second cast. I caught a seven-pounder. And um, I had a chance to win that tournament. I just didn't get the right combination of bites. My, I got hung up on one of the stumps the last day. And this this fish would have won a tournament for me. I got hung up on a stump, and I was trying to pop it off. And my partner Boom. flipped the jig over there and caught an 8-4. Oh, oh this, God. This, <laughs> this wasn't meant to be. And, and to win an invitation, and you, win, you, yeah. you won invitationals. It was a big deal against, yeah. you know, because you're fishing against – 330 guys and 150 of them were locals. Yeah, right. right. Every tournament, man. So it wasn't yeah. easy to do, and and um, and it was boater on boater back yeah. then. We only yeah. had four hours yep. to fish, man. It was super tough. And Pete used to rock them back then. Matter of fact, when I qualified for the classic the last tournament, Pete actually won that tournament on Lake Martin, man. And it yeah. was uh, when Pete gets on them, dude, he usually stomps their heads, and it's not even close, man. But it was an exciting time for us because you yeah. won the tournament. I was going to the classic. We went together. Yeah, we yeah, fished, yeah, that's right. All three of us. Delta. All three of us yeah. did. And um, yeah. it was an exciting time, man. I tell for, you guys, I finished fourth up at uh, – Merrill. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, love it. I remember. Well, we got we got to we got to get you. When are you going to get out there and smash some heads? And you've been on a hiatus. Yeah, uh, I haven't tournaments fished. for a while. Yeah. We miss we miss you. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to get at least another another good year or two fishing all the time to get back in the swing. I haven't yeah. fished much, you know, in the last. You know, I haven't really fished competitively like in ten years, dude. You know, and um. I I miss it sometimes and sometimes I don't, you yeah. know, and, and the traveling part of it. Dude, I used to get in, I used to work and get in a truck on a Friday and drive to Santee Cooper to fish a Red Man tournament on Sunday and drive home and go to work on Monday. I mean, I was totally Ooh. nuts at the time, yeah. dude, you know, and, and, um, I, I loved it, you know, and yeah. we all traveled, but it gets, yep. you know, it gets exhausting after a while, man. And, um, I, I, you know, I love, I, I miss, being around you guys and having yeah. a good time. That was the that was the best part, and it still yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And it seemed like back then, like, we didn't have many bad tournaments. Everybody was mm -hmm. always doing good and, yeah. and um, you know, we you know help each other out whatever way we can. So there's parts of it I definitely miss a lot about it. And, you know, like I said, just hanging around with you guys was was the best part of it, you know. It was the best. It you was. Know? And I miss I miss our, our traveling partner, Mansu, who's uh, – Yeah, man. He's out, yeah. in, out west now and uh, – we had we just had such a good time. the 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 houses were the best. I remember uh, the Lake Martin tournament where uh, where my buddy was staying with us and uh, and you know he he snored so loud, oh, chased everybody. Every it was dude. like four. It was like one of those bunk houses where there's yeah. like six or eight bunks in a room, 
And uh, within an hour, everybody was out in the living room. You were sprawled yeah, out. Pillows over taped a, around her head. Yeah, <laughs> over a chair. Five, five dudes sleeping in one bed, dude. I'm like, <laughs> you know, it, it was nuts there for a little bit, man. But, uh, yeah, Ken McIntosh, man. I'm thinking, who Literally, dude, Pete, shout out to Ken. Yeah. yeah, Pete invites this guy over, and he's snoring, dude. Like, Love I never heard in my life. Dude. Yeah, it was unreal, dude. But the funny part about it, there was a little pond behind this house, and we used to get off the water from the tournament day. And remember, we yeah. used to run back to that yeah. little pond and yeah. fish, and there was a bunch of fish in there. It was, it was cool times, man. Yeah, that was, that was great times. Yeah. And, uh, and then you guys went inside, and everybody slept on the same bed. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty much what it was like, dude. Well, yeah. we hope <laughs> nobody. <laughs> nobody. Like good times. Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it was for us, <laughs> dude. It, it was like it was like a you know. John Erickson sleeping on the floor, stuff laying everywhere, dude. It's like a total bachelor pad, you yeah. know, and fishing yeah. line laying. And, and I remember Mike saying was always, you got to leave evidence, man. You know, like leave all the fishing line behind. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, dude. Got to leave evidence. And, yeah. Uh, he was the king of leaving evidence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know yeah. if you guys ever been around to watch Mike get ready for a tournament, dude. But, my man, dude, I mean, I, this guy's like midnight. And he's still tying stuff up. 75 Rogers baits and I mean, tons of tackle everywhere, dude. And you know, it's crazy, man. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. For uh, anybody out there, we're giving away these Hobie glasses for whoever knows how many times Bob said "dude" tonight. Oh, <laughs> dude, <Ooh>. dude. <laughs> Two more. I'm yeah. kidding. We we should have done that, but we didn't. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. Uh, we do I we have any IMs in, on the board? Oh, yeah, yeah we do. Them. Yeah, we do. Um, so this question is going to be from uh, Curtis Vick and. Uh, Sounds like he might have a tournament coming up, but he wants to know what baits would you use to locate fish under grass mats, very thick grass mats, on the Potomac River during the late summer months. Wow. Well, uh, <laughs> here I, I get. I just fished down there last year, so let, let's dive into the Potomac. Last year. Uh, what what goes on down there? And you guys uh, that have hydrilla in your lakes, uh, you know the Florida lakes, you guys can appreciate this. Um, the the hydrilla is really dense, and the crawfish. Bob, I don't know if you've been in Potomac lately, but we we've been fishing there for thirty years. I've never seen a crawfish explosion like they're having That's down crazy, there right man. now. Like the seagulls, they they scavenge the crawfish, <laughs> or graze is a better word. They just go graze. out there and they the crawfish are on top of the mat. Wow, they're they're scooting around eating on top. Right, and the the seagulls will just fly over and pick one up, bring it over to the dock, and then you know rip it apart. Wow, and all the docks everywhere have crawfish parts on them. <laughs> so, so here's the deal. Um, down there is, you know, there's only really one way to get after them, and, and you got to go in. Uh, the, a frog, if you can get them to bite or chase a frog, that's clearly going to be your best weapon. But something uh, that is compact, something with small appendages on it, this, is, this happens to be a sweet, a smallie beaver, a, a good choice. You're going to need, a lot of times that time of year, you're going to need an ounce, up to two ounce weight yeah. uh, to be able to get penetrate. But something with no appendages, very few, something that you can get down through that map, and you're just you're going to have to punch. Uh, that's going to be a big deal down there because here's the here's the what I found um, down there in that time of years they 
they don't get on the outside of the grass that much. Like when they're on the outside of the grass, it's awesome. You can chatterbait them, you can spinnerbait them, you can crank them, you can do so many different things. But once once they start coming in, munching on them crawls, you got to go in after them. And it's slow as molasses, I promise mm. you. But it's the fastest way to cover water is to get out there with a punch rig. So uh, so give that a shot because that's going to be coming up here pretty soon. Right now, you can see we just saw the uh, MLFLW tournament one down in there um, uh, by the Italian uh, yeah, guy yeah, yeah. Uh, who was chatterbait fishing and throwing a lizard. We, yeah. I said, it's funny we had uh, the lizard show up, but I hadn't seen it. Uh. A lizard thrown in competition for a long time. The mm. lizard show. Yeah. and uh, But he won, uh, you know, fishing a vibrating jig. And <clears throat> that's going to continue, I would say, till probably August and September and October. You're, you're going to be punching. But great question. And uh, we'll hook you up with some cool bash you swag. Yeah, that's right. He's going to get a uh, Gills Gear gift card for that one. Want to go to another IM, Rich? We can. Yeah, absolutely. What do you got? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been a... Been a great show yeah. so far with wild our, and crazy, <laughs> our guys on the board. Um, and the uh, next question is going to come from Team No Fish, and he wants to know what's the best approach for fishing grass in the very backs of pockets. Interesting. Hmm. You want to try tackling that one, Bob? I mean, very it, backs of pockets. Yeah, I mean, if the grass is in the back of a pocket, it's if it's matted or you're fishing shallower, like Pete was saying, a frog is a great way to go. Um, and a frog, the good thing about a frog is it catches big ones. You know what I mean? Right. So it's a great, great um, technique to use if the if the if the grass is just matted up in the back of pockets, and uh, or it's like that soupy slimed up type grass you know a frog is a great way to go um and you know that and it's a good way to locate fish too if you could punch it or whatever you can do besides that um you know those are great techniques to catch them no doubt and i'm thinking let's talk frogs for just a little bit because there's two types of frogs there's the hollow belly frog and then there's the buzz toad mm -hmm. type of frog uh actually pete there's uh 28 different uh <laughs> pronouns for frogs these days yeah <laughs> Give us a couple. Nope. <laughs> Back to you. <laughs> the uh, well, the the hollow belly is a has a bigger presence in the water. We saw Lee Livesey uh, win uh, fishing a frog where he was putting uh, drop shot weights in the in the hollow belly, not so much for the noise, but to depress the mat yeah. so that the uh -huh. fish could feel and hear the the bait better. Mm -hmm. You know, so and it was you know so that. That frog uh, casting distance, too. casting distance too, getting away from the boat. But the hollow belly, generally speaking, is a slower presentation, and the buzz toad is like we talked about rate of descent. But for me, the the buzz toad is a speed. Uh, I, there's two kinds. There's ones with the boot tail, like yeah, a yeah. ribbit, and then there's the there's the uh, horny toad. The horny toad is a fast moving bait. And you, when I want to move that bait fast, that's it's a subtler, almost a finesse type uh, frog that you can burn and get a lot of speed. So when they're a lot of, and I just had this happen down the James River, where I was getting them, they were blowing the hollow belly out of the water. They were they were punched. They were doing everything but committing to the bait. Hmm. And I switched over to the buzz toad, and I could get them to commit. Wow! It was moving so it was moving too fast. Uh, they they wanted to eat on the surface, but they, they you know there was so much fishing pressure right. that yeah. speed was my friend, and I got them to commit 
uh, to, to that style of bait. Here's a couple of baits right here. Yeah, here's uh, – wow, here's two of the ones I've been talking about. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of a ribbit style. I don't know what brand that is, but it's got the boot tail. This is going to be a, a – it's a slower, louder uh, type of buzz toad. This is the horny toad. A lot of guys are using that on their buzz baits now. Yeah. But it's got a it's, – it's really a finesse uh, speed-oriented presentation that I like so much. And then, of course, here we have a couple examples of the hollow belly frogs. These are uh, – you know, this standard frog, there's a there's a popping style frog. But, um, frog. yeah, bigger presence in the water, moving it a little bit slower. But there's so much can be done uh, with these with these weapons. Um, Romba Fred, Fred Rombanis and Ish both have amazing seminars, the, two of the greatest frog fishermen on the planet, uh, about how to use these baits. Rombanis was, uh, for me, the guy that first showed me that you could use this in open water. I was always a guy fishing it around the mat, around the slop, and it's great there, but um, this can be used in sparse vegetation uh, to win events. And then, and then Dean Rojas showed us how to skip it under bushes uh, and docks to, to catch fish with a, with a frog presentation that a lot of guys are missing. But it's good around a lot of places, but these are excellent tools uh, around the grass for sure. But great question. We're going to... I like to move it, move it. We're going to yeah. hook you up with some cool stuff. And, uh, guys, we have a Facebook, like and share. You're still hanging out on Facebook, like and share. We're going to be giving away a cool prize over there. We're going to be hooking you up with some great stuff. If you have not subscribed to Bass University, it's the red, white, and BU promotion ends tonight. We're going to hook you up with the hat that Riz is wearing, which is really cool, red, white, and blue Bass University logo, and uh, a great discount for annual subscribers. So go check that out. And, guys, it's, it's always a free trial. If you want to dip your toe in, we've got over 900 instructional seminars and new stuff coming all the time uh, over at Bass University TV. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're going to be out, uh, speaking of grass fishing, we're going to be out on the Chesapeake on Thursday, and we're going to be filming some uh, some instructional seminars using AquaView cameras. We're going to be showing you images of the various types of vegetation, uh, mm. from milfoil to eelgrass to hydrilla, and how we're going to use those different types, the different types of tools to fish that that vegetation. We're going to be filming that stuff um, this week on Bass University, amongst many others. We're always hard at work delivering some of the best content uh, on bass fishing on the internet. So on the internet here's here's one of the crazy things that i want to address we touched on it a little bit guys so i'm gonna talk about line in mm. grass because when i won cayuga and i'm bringing that up to brag again but uh <laughs> the uh i used a uh, 20 pound uh fluorocarbon mm -hmm. and it, it was i felt that it was an important thing now the next year or two years later hackney won uh i was using this kind of you know I was using this presentation, actually, a stick bait. He went with the jig, and he was using a one-ounce. I was using three-quarters. Both fast-fall, aggressive baits. He used braided line. Mm -hmm. He used braided line on Cayuga and totally dominated the Elite Series tournament there. So it really questioned, you know, and I'm still wrestling with the, the question of line. I fished next to Bobby Lane uh, on uh, that uh, Lake Champlain, and – he outperformed me greatly in, in a deep water, clear water situation using braided line, and I was using fluorocarbon. Uh, so the, the, 
the I I'm still wrestling with braided line. How in, greatly in the did grass. how greatly was this beating? I mean, uh, Bobby. Yeah, how, how, talk about the beating. Well, he he made the cut and I didn't. Well, well I mean, mm. give me give me some measuring sticks. Oh, uh, jeez, I hey, well, here's a measuring stick. We were fishing one area, and um, although I did catch Lunker in the tournament there, so I'll take that. That's what's up. But he outperformed me such that I left the area. Like I, oh. I he made the cut there, and he I he took I could soul. Yeah, he took my soul. Wow. And, and he did it wow. with he did it with braided line. And mm -hmm. I, I just was I just was blown away by that. I didn't think that, that could work. But here Greg Hackney in one of his Bashy seminars says, When I'm flipping in the grass, I don't care about line. The line looks like another stalk of grass. It the fish don't know it. It doesn't matter to me. But the benefits of being able to detect the strikes and get the positive hook set penetration. Um there you go. Yeah, I mean, he proved it. He proved it. Yeah, he he did. But it was wild. I remember that win. I mean, so many times I've seen it matter. Like you said, the difference in line diameter sometimes can matter. But the difference, I think, with with that type of fishing, you're talking strictly power fishing, dude. You know what I mean? The bass ain't got a minute to think about. About it. a one ounce jig coming buzzing by their head. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So if you right, fish they're, with, they're not hitting that jig on the on the hop. Sometimes it depends. Yeah, man. like maybe one out of ten bites. It's all on that initial fall. Yeah, I mean, don't it, don't, don't give me this shit. I, 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 I remember I, when he was on the show. <laughs> it was all about that initial fall. It really was, but you saw him work it too. Yeah, and, it, and you saw him get those bites. But I don't know. Here's my deal. Like I was, uh, you know, fishing, you know, stained water place that we all fish and. And I, I used to throw my vibrating jigs on braid exclusively. Mm -hmm. That's how I started fishing that thing because it was just uh, so good around the grass. You can clear it so easily. And uh, I was out with some customers, and uh, I gave them my braided rods to use. And I was using – I only had a floor left. I tied a, the bait on my rod, and I caught the first and second fish. I thought it was the bait. I cut my bait off, and I tied it on one of their other rods. I caught the next couple of fish. I cut that bait off. and So they're using the baits that caught the fish. I used a ridiculous color and caught the next fish. And I'm using fluoro. They're using straight braid. Mm -hmm. I tied leaders on their rods, just put on a five-foot leader, and they were able to catch them toe-to-toe -to -toe on a vibrating jig, a presentation flying through the water, ripping through the grass, and yet it mattered. Mm. It mattered in th that day. Right. So, for me, because it mattered that day, I that's what I do. You threw, I you threw all your braided line out. I still, <laughs> I, I just if I if I use it, I use a leader. Yeah, no, I hear you. You know, here's a crazy thing, man. I mean, there's times in the grass, dude, or fishing period, I still use mono. You that know? is crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. People <laughs> think, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't what? think. <laughs> mono, talk to me. Why? Why? Tell, I use what, mono what, a lot what, in the winter. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, when you're fishing grass and it's not excessively deep, you know, I'm talking, you know, once I start getting out and grass, it's deeper and I'm worried about a more powerful yeah. hook set. But um, if I'm not using like a super finesse presentation, um, I, I, I'll use 20 pound big game, dude, and I'll, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, and it, what do you like about it? I like it because it's more manageable on a reel. Mm. Fluorocarbon yeah. could be a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, it could be a nightmare. And so I use, I'll use i use fluorocarbon, but I, I have no problems with using mono 
too, even flipping or yeah. whatever the case may be. There's That's nothing true. wrong with Well, when you think it. about it, when you have such a short amount of line out, right. you're not going to get that much stretch. No, exactly. And I'm I'm tall guy. I use, you know, flipping in the grass, seven, tall nine guy, rods, guy. you know, yeah. seven, nine rods. So you got a lot of leverage. Yeah, I mean, guy, you know? I'm a tall guy. Huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, you know, fluorocarbon, I mean, if I feel it matters, I might throw a rod with fluorocarbon, one with mono, and if it doesn't matter, I'll throw yeah, the mono, yeah, man, yeah. instead of the fluorocarbon, yeah. just for the simple yeah. fact I like the way, it, you know, it's easier to manage on a reel. All right. Yeah, it's comfortable. You feel like you can be more accurate with your flips, or? No, I mean, I could cast the same with the fluorocarbon or whatever, but I, I just think that, you know, mono isn't as coily as fluorocarbon, man, you know, that's just the way I feel about it, and I, I don't think it really, I, I there's some things in fishing, I think, that are taken to extremes. And fluorocarbon's yeah. one of them. It's just yeah. my opinion, man. You know what I mean, guys? And today, everybody throws fluorocarbon. Yeah, okay. You no. know, and I don't, I don't think fluorocarbon, mono, you know, maybe if you're fishing deep, it might matter or some finesse pr presentation. But, you know, if I'm flipping a half-pound jig and I'm throwing 20-pound big game, you're throwing 20-pound fluorocarbon, you, you're going to get more bites than I am? I, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, I could see it. Hackney's going to be throwing braid right, right next right. to us and getting and challenging us on how many bites we're going to get. I've heard guys, you know, with the braid and 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 uh, one of the things guys will talk about sometimes, and you know this, when you're punching, that braid is noise. Yeah, the noise yeah. of it. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, on top of the grass or the mat or whatever you're flipping, man. So. Yep. So I got to get that um, silent flip. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I think that braid is definitely you're going to get better hook sets or get them out of really super heavy cover. But, um, you know, I, I in milfoil, I, I've never had a really a problem losing fish really at all, man. I mean, you're cracking them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that's because you still have, you know, all-star fishing rods from 1980. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know? One thing I can Pool tell you is they don't break. You know, <laughs> the rods today, man, you see guys on TV, oh, I just broke my rod, yeah. you know, on a hook set. It's like amazing, dude, you know. Uh, but um, what are you talking about? They're they're all they got like two three eyes left on them. Yeah, what <laughs> your rods? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but they ain't broke, just eyes. No, I'm just yeah, I'm just saying the rods today they break like crazy, man. You know. But. Well, it you know for me it's like I do change my rod. Like if I'm using fluoro, mm -hmm. I I can't use the pool cue in certain, especially if I'm in right. you know short you know range. I've got to have a little give. It's, there's got to be a give in there somewhere. Right. Uh, mono. You know, it lets you use the pool cue. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, but bra but on the bra on the floral side, it it allows you to use a lighter rod. You know, because now you have less rod fatigue. So there's there's benefits on all sides of it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love the braid. The braid is great, and I would love to do it. But I've just uh, I watch Greg win, and and um, and I but I just still I still have to have that leader, and mm. I'm so confident in in my leader. Um, that not. I use, yeah. so you know, for me, it's easy. You know, if I need to use braid and I'm missing fish, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm confident in, in using that leader. But it's funny that one experience where the braid mattered. I'm like, right. how many other times did it matter? You know, right. I don't know. By the but, way, uh, uh, guy Keith Thomas from uh, uh, up at Knock, his favorite uh, braids on all his rods is Silent Flip. Courtland? Yeah, yeah, Courtland the Cortland silent. silent flip. That that was like my the, our iCast pick that year. Well, so a uh, a Bass U subscriber, Captain Justin Jones, he's a guide down yeah. on Okeechobee. He developed that line with Cortland, but he brought the idea and the concept to them 
off of something that he had heard on Bass University. Wow. So, so yep, about about braid being loud, loud when yeah. you're flipping grass. Let me ask you a question: What are you throwing your top waters on? Mono. Enough said, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. Enough said. If it doesn't guy. matter on top water, it don't matter when you're yeah. flipping 15 feet in the, yeah. you know, not deep, but you know. Yeah, I, I hear you. You Enough know, said if, guy. if I'm fishing deeper in the grass, I'll use fluorocarbon just because I think you do get a better hook set with it. But yeah. when you're in that eight, ten foot, nine yeah. foot of water, dude, yeah, yeah I, I don't know, man. I don't think it plays a factor. And then you're throwing a top water on mono. I know, I know. It's it well, the mono because it floats, and you need you you have it has to float, right? Mm -hmm. You can't. You know, flora is going to just destroy the action of the bait, yeah. so you just can't use it. Right. Um, and the other, your options are braid or or mono. And the you know, once again, we saw Lee Livesey with braid uh, just dominate the field. Uh, what my problems that I have with braid is its usability is is in question. The um, you know, the the braid will alt, will twist, twist and, yeah, and get yeah. get on the hook, and you got to yeah. cut. And retie. There's no way to undo that, and and that's that's a big problem. But for me, you know, when I had some negative experiences with it, because I wanted to, you know, experiment with it, was up for fishing smallmouth on topwater. Mm -hmm. Is I can't tell you how many topwater smallmouth I lost on braided line. Right. And um, there's they're they're so aggressive, they're so ferocious that they were able to get off. So uh, I'm still. I'm a mono guy, just like you, there you on go. Toppler. There you go. There you go. Let's address the elephant in the room here. Talk we've, to me. We've done all this blah, blah, blah about grass all night. Snell to snell or not to snell? <laughs> Where you at? Where you at? All right. Let's go around the room, man. Would you start with you, Bob? So the only time I'm going to snell is if I'm punching. If I'm using a big weight. That's when I'm going to snell. If I'm just out fishing in the grass, I'm not going to snell. And I'm going to use a wide gap hook in regular metal foil. You know, right. I'm not going with um, you got you know, a regular flipping hook like this. You know, I use a regular Gamagatsu super line hook, you know, extra wide gap, whatever you want to call it. And But if I'm punching or the grass is excessively thick, I'm going to go with a snell. And a heavy weight. And a heavy weight. Riz, you you snelling? I am. Oh, sorry, Richard. I am snelling. Uh, I actually started snelling this year. Um, my the only reason that that I started to do it is because I have a uh, I've had a tendency to break fish off when my when my tungsten slides down and hits my knot. I would break my knot. Uh, I, wow, I, that's I an interesting a, reason. I have a tendency to, to swing pretty aggressively on bites and um yeah we've seen that yeah yeah and uh <laughs> the my my reasoning was always Who's tungsten like you using whatever's rolling around on the boat fair uh, enough <laughs> you know whatever i can get my hands on but um right. but yeah i started snelling uh this year really um and another thing is like i i fish my tongue i fish my flipping baits a lot unpegged um so that line that that weight to 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 like the hook distance it can build up some speed getting down there. And I think that's part of the reason why when it was hitting that, that improved clinch knot, it was slicing it. Um, but so I started snelling this year and I'm really happy with it. My hookup percentage has been strong and it seems like all the fish are getting hooked where I want them to be hooked, like up in the top of the roof of the mouth. So until it stops working, I'm going to keep rolling with it. 
It's all about the strike-to-catch ratio, yeah. and that's the key. You know, you, you were having a problem, you made an adjustment, and it's working for you. So, yeah. you know. I, I got a question that he brought up a great point, man. You, you pegging it? Uh, <laughs> not most of, the, most of the time, no. So when you're fishing deeper grass, if you don't peg it, you got a problem because you want the bait to fall with the right. weight. You know, right. You're going to have your bait hung up on a piece of milfoil up here, and your weight's going to yeah. be on the bottom. It's not right. going to work. Right. So the other the other reason why I would be kind of hesitant in deeper milfoil to snell, uh, uh, you know, a bait, a snell hook, is that you want the bait to hang as straight as possible. Mm. You know, and when you tend to snell, it tends to get a little, yeah, it's crooked, it's right? So it's not going to have a yeah, true fall on it. Bit. So one of the things we didn't talk about tonight when you're fishing grass, and especially deeper grass, milfoil, is how to, how to go about casting, how, how to go about fishing it, because you want a true fall on the bait. If you don't get that true fall, a lot of times you just don't get bit. Mm. You know, so a lot of key things are you want the wind at your back. You want to drift at the wind at your back. Yeah, you I cast out, pull the bait towards me a little bit, and yeah. then give it slack line so it gets a true fall. You got to mend your line to give it the right. slack. Right, so if you, don't get those, if you don't get that bait hanging perfectly straight, I would say a snell and deeper milfoil. If they're beating it off the bottom, it probably doesn't matter. But if they're hitting it on the fall, it might. It might matter. It might matter. Yep. That's well, see, I, like when at Cayuga, I was pegging for that reason. Right. But, I, but the reason I was pegging is true the fall because when you put that that heavy weight on the front of a stick bait, yeah, it actually doesn't fall straight down. You think kind of has that? It goes all over yeah, the place, right. and if it's unpegged, what happens is the weight separates yeah. from yeah. the bait, and it just tends to do this right. on the way down, which can sometimes trigger it. But what I was when. It was shooting and darting and going all over the place. On the fall, that was a huge trigger. Just down at the Chesapeake uh, where I'm flipping bushes and wood and that kind of stuff, I had to peg because bushes. I was trying to throw this bait uh, unpegged because right. I, I prefer to throw unpegged because my hookup's better. Right, right. But, um, but I couldn't. I, it was hanging up. The weight would go down. The bait would get hung up on the bushes and all that kind of crap. So, so I had to peg. So, man, I, I go both – I, I, you know, pegged and unpegged. I, I prefer to go unpegged. In the shallow grass, you can get away with it. Where the hell are you right. finding bushes on the Chesapeake? Man, they're all over. You're up talking on about the banks, trees? the creeks, yeah. You're just talking about the trees. Yeah. The big laydowns. Yeah. All right. But they're not bushes. And bushes. Yeah. And bushes? bushes? I can't tell you. Bushes. Where. I got to keep some secrets, man. Uh, mm. All right. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> but here's the deal. A snail knot, guys, for those of you guys that don't know what a what it accomplishes, and I'm not tying it right now, but a standard knot, when you set the hook, the you're going to get penetration like this. The hook's going to stay in with respect to the line in the straight line pull. Uh, when you snell a bait, what it does is it causes the hook to kick out to the side in this fashion when you set the hook. The, the line pushes against, or the weight pushes against the the line tie of the hook, and it kicks it out to the side. And guys have theorized that that is going to give you a better hooking percentage. And and it really came to uh, light in, um, you know, down in the Florida lakes when guys were punching hydrilla, and they felt that their strike-to-catch ratio was better uh, when they used a snail knot and got that hook to kick out to the side. Um, for me, uh, I have not... I, 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 I use the Schnell knot. I've gone I've gone away from the sweaty Schnell knot. Uh, and uh 
<laughs> and I've gone, and here we got Riz is going to tie. There you go. Riz is going to tie a snow out for us. But yeah, I, I I vividly remember the the you know Lake Okeechobee uh, FLW tournament that the uh, where this finally came to light. Of course, the local guys had been doing it for a while, and they were just trying to find better ways uh, to get those fish up and out of the mat. Well, one you of the things is why is because they were also throwing a two ounce weight. Right. So without the hook kicking out, yeah. you blow the fish's mouth open and you get no fish, you know, and that's just. And, <laughs> and they were looking for solutions <laughs> for it. And, uh, so, uh, Riz, can you explain what you're doing? No, oh, he doesn't have a mic. I, guess, I don't even recognize the snail knot that you're tying. This is the 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 snail knot. What it what it really does is you're tying the knot around the shaft of the hook, yeah. and that's the big difference, right? A typical knot is tied around the the hook eye, but a snail knot is tied around the shaft, and um, that creates the scenario that Rich is about to show you right now. So, like I was saying, guys, the uh, the issue that I was running into is when this tungsten was hitting my improved clinch knot, which would be above the uh, the hook eye. It was slicing. But with the snell knot, the weight just hits the eye of the hook. And as you can see, it's a really tight knot. It's strong. Um, it's low, low profile. And what happens when, you're, when your weight hits it is it lifts. It lifts that hook up. It changes the angle of the hook, and uh, you know what you want it to do is there bring is. that hook point right up into the roof of that fish's mouth, um, so that you get that positive hook up. But yeah, the biggest reason for me was just you know so that my tungsten weight is not hitting my uh, my knot when I'm when I'm swinging on those fish. Uh, you know, typically around grass, I'm 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 keeping it pegged, but. If I can get away with fishing unpegged around cover, I'm going to do that just because I feel like most guys aren't doing that, and the bait definitely has a different fall when it's uh, when it's unpegged. So, still not nice. Nice demo. Well, here's here's a here's a bent shank uh, hook, and here here's the deal. Here's the way I explain it to guys. This is probably the most I don't know easy to fish. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. it, your bait hangs up on the elbow real nice and you can fish it straight if you are losing fish with this technique maybe your weight's big and it's blowing the fish's mouth open and you're losing uh the the adjustment is to go to a straight shank a straight shank hook is uh is your next move if you're losing fish with this style of hook and then if you're losing fish with a straight shank then that my next move is to go to the snell knot. So that's my one, two, three approach. And that's where Rich is. Mock Snell. <laughs> the um you know, but if your strike to catch is strong, uh if you're catching, you know, with these techniques, you ought to be catching the majority of the fish that bite. And um The only other the only other thing I do with an extra wide gap hook is I offset this point. Slightly, yeah. That's that's cool yeah, adjustment, and that definitely, you know, you get better hookups in my opinion, like that. But I mean, just slightly, not mm -hmm. much. Just so almost like a true turn hook, yeah. right? 
So that's the only thing I do with it. True turn. Yeah. Dude, you are old. I am. There's no doubt about it, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Have you ever heard of true turn, Riz? <laughs> yeah. No. No? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely old school stuff, man. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? That is yeah. awesome. Yeah. I remember true turn. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember it, too. Uh, kicking it out the side. Great not demo, though, Riz. Thank you yeah. for that. Got it. And, um. Flipping grass, man. You got to be getting into the grass. And, and once again, I'm going to reiterate, guys, don't be intimidated by the grass. Uh, you, you got, you know, beginnings of grass beds, ends of grass beds, thicker, thinner parts. There's ways to key on it. But make sure you pay attention to where your bites are coming from because it's really going to help you. And don't don't be intimidated by throwing these baits like crankbaits and topwaters around the grass. Um one of my favorite uh, uh, deals that happened to me on in the fall, you, you get these, you get the floating grass, yeah, you know where yeah, it all dies yeah, off, yeah. and man, it gets hard. You want you want to throw the the blades or topwaters? It's so hard. And um, I was uh, using that uh, plopper bait, the opera plopper yeah. bait, when it first came out, and I I got it, and I'm throwing it around, and and during the floating grass time of year. And I can't make two cranks, and it's fouled up, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, well, this is a really cool-looking lure, but I I, yeah. I I can't use it. And I, I made uh, a couple more casts, and I was ready to put it down. And, and I got two cranks, and then, boom, a five-pounder came up and blew <laughs> up on it. So, uh, so, you know, the point is, you know, to be to persevere in that, you know, learn to work around that grass. Like, even that time of year, there's things that you can do, like um, – like one of the things we do, like remember that we used to fish the Hudson River all the oh, time, yeah. And it got ton that floating grass mats when the fall would come, yeah, and, yeah. And you try to fish a point, and it would just be grass. Yeah. Couldn't get your bait near. But what you, what I learned was that if you left and came back like thirty minutes later, that it was yeah, clear, yeah, yeah, and you could fish yeah. it. Yeah. Same things happens on on uh, na natural lakes and various other places if you just wait. For the wind to move, shift, and you can go back and you can fish those baits on clean water. So it's frustrating, uh, especially that floating grass or any type of grass fishing. But you must persist. It's where the winning fish live. And I know uh, we had we had thou uh, shalt persist. Yes, we had a question yeah. about professional fish head. He's doing well. He's recovering nicely. He was ill, and uh, and we have Justin Kimmel's list. Uh, tonight and uh, it will be recited by Richard Ledbetter. <laughs> Riz, take it, take us home. All right, guys, uh, we're talking grass tonight, and it's that time of year uh, for a lot of our uh, our viewers that that watch the Bassmaster Elites. They're getting ready to head up to Lake Champlain. Mm. There will certainly be some grass fishing going on, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of local tournaments getting fished right now in grass too. So we're gonna kick things off with. Uh, with the top five Bashu TV seminars for summer grass fishing. Number five is going to come in from Seth Fighter. Shallow water smallmouth. This one is geared for our northern friends, but Seth Fighter says you can catch the biggest smallmouth of the year in the summertime shallow. These big smallies stay shallow in the summer and often get overlooked, and now is the perfect time to study up with the post-spawn and the spawn periods in that region. Go up north, fish for the big smallies up shallow. Todd Faircloth, fishing vegetation, summer and fall. This is the perfect follow-up to what we're talking about tonight. Grass fishing through the summer and fall periods. 
Faircloth walks us through the understanding of how bass move through the grass during these seasons and how to catch the biggest bass of the year all summer long. Great seminar. Number three, Gerald Swindle ledge fishing techniques. In this hour-long on-the-water session, G-Man walks us through his starting lineup of summertime ledge techniques, but then breaks out a couple of techniques that he wasn't too keen on letting us know, including the Tokyo rig in ways you may not have seen it fished before. Nope. That's a good one. Jason Christie, shallow bass fishing with a focus on summer. Jason shares his best summertime tips along with the theory that while the most bass are out deep in the summer. Oftentimes, the biggest ones are not. You can catch giant bass shallow this time of year. Mike Iconelli comes in at number one with the top three summer bass fishing patterns. This seminar is straight out of the book of Ike and the phrase he relies on through the heat of the summer, deeper, thicker current. In this seminar, Ike dives deep into each summertime pattern that represents the phrase deeper, thicker current, including his nine favorite summertime techniques to use in every situation. This is an absolute can't-miss summertime seminar. Guys, if you're not subscribed to Bash TV, right now is a great time to do it. Get signed up. Get your uh, get your red, white, and BU Bash University official hat, and you're going to save $30 on your annual membership. No reason not to do it. Mike Iconelli. <laughs> Great stuff, great seminars, great picks, J.K., if you're watching. And um, we hope to have you back next week yeah, on Bass he, University He's Live. getting better, but his Wi-Fi got ill tonight. <laughs> so that's, what, that's why. He, yeah, well, we struggle with that, don't we? Indeed uh, we do. Good yeah. job, Rich. Yep. Thanks, man. My way to read. <clears throat> yeah. I wish I could. Reading. I used to be able to read. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good stuff. I, I can't wait to fish grass. On my schedule, I have Lake Champlain and I have – Lake Oneida mm. and uh, two great northern bodies of water. And I, yeah. gra I'm going to be Wh fishing. When are you grass. at Champlain? Uh, next week. Wow. Next week. So, how much are you paying attention to this week? Uh, up at Champlain? Yeah. Uh, you know, I the storms coming up the coast, you mean the tropical storm? No, I don't know what that is. You uh, having storms? He's talking yeah. about the tournament that's going to be. Champlain, bro. Oh, the elite tournament up there? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I'll be taking. You know, I'll be I'll be up there when those guys are just finishing up. You will be. Yeah. So. Oh man, that's so tricky. Yeah. Well, it is tricky. I'm going to try to stay off and and and. Uh, so when does practice start for you guys? Actually, whenever, right? It's whenever. Yeah. But my plans right now are to arrive on Saturday and be Sunday first day on the water. That's the finals. So there's only ten guys left on the water, and. Um, you know, I'll just have to measure my practice accordingly. I mean, I'm really not trying to catch a lot of fish when I'm fishing anyway. Where are they I, out of this year? They're Plattsburgh. Plattsburgh. Yeah. So we'll uh, – but I'll be watching. I'll be watching the whole time. So hopefully I'll know where all the guys are and I can stay out of those areas. Yeah. And, and honestly, from my tournament's perspective, you're better off not fishing anywhere near where those guys are fishing, uh, practicing. I mean, it's 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 uh, kind of a deal where you, you're um, – Who's who's It's Brian Thrift strategy, is you pay extreme attention to where the tournaments are being won, and you go anywhere but there. Yeah, it's uh, without a doubt for man. the tournament. Yeah, without a doubt for your tournament. Yeah, you know, following yeah. that. Tell them to bring that to the flats. <laughs> <laughs> bring that down to the yeah. Chesapeake, Brian. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but the beauty of a place like Lake Champlain is it can be won 
everywhere. Anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Everywhere. So, yeah. uh, you know, that it'll, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to watch. Look forward to seeing the elites uh, come back to action. And, uh, man, I'm just fascinated. I love watching the fishing terms. I, I always used to talk to you, Bob, all the time. Do you still dial in to what's happening and who's catching what and where? Yes, Have you, he does. Are you still are you still watching? I I do still watch. I mean, I enjoy. I mean, now you know now they got live and stuff. Before you used to have to wait for a show to come out or yeah. whatever. Bassmasters, man. But you know, history has a you know places like the Potomac and stuff like that. They have such a history to them. Yeah. And even today, I'll still go back to older tournaments that are fished. You know, with yeah. Bob Cobb and Ray yeah. Scott. You know. Oh. And, and, um, Love that stuff. Yeah, I'm. I I like the the history of bass fishing and how much you know the fisheries have changed over the years. Mm-hmm. And you know, you look at the Potomac now; it's completely different than it was you know 30 years. Of ago course, it was one at a Potomac Creek. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, <laughs> there's my there soul impressing. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I got one out of me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's we used that's where we used to live in yeah. Potomac Creek, and yeah. here it was finally one again dude. after 30 years. Yeah, it's crazy, it's man. Work, but. <laughs> you know, I, I I agree with you. You know, when a guy nowadays with the amount of press coverage a guy gets winning a tournament, locals following him, man, the chances of you going in there the following week and winning a tournament off the same spot yeah. are probably no to none, dude. You yeah. know what I mean? So, But one thing that's unique about Champlain and Cayuga is that, right, the small mounts are just getting off the beds, but the large mounts down south are way done. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. in Cayuga, it's the opposite. You know, up north, the large mounts are way done, and the small mounts yeah. could still be spawning right, right. now, you know? So. Yeah. Um, it's a good strategy of what you're going to fish or how you're going to fish. And are you going to make the big run down a, you know, tie or stay up north and fish? And, if you know, I'm a gambling man. I say Pete Lucic is going to stay north of the border, man. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love fishing north. There, there's no doubt about it. And Ike, shout out to Ike uh, for a, what, a ninth place finish? Uh, seventh. Seventh. Yeah. Sorry, didn't mean seventh place finish at the Hobie kayak derby on lake champlain that's right um fished largemouth he was one of two largemouth guys to make the top 10 yeah well, how do you how do you catch him rich oh uh, just throw shank out all day probably just throw shank out all yeah. day fishing, <laughs> fishing the retreads yeah, well it was you know it was interesting the 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 kayak tournaments are met are one uh on length yeah yeah and yeah. the smallmouth outperformed largemouth yeah. greatly in a length competition. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's yeah. interesting. You know, uh, if you're a kayak guy, wow. What an important thing to know on that particular body of water. I'll you tell know? you an interesting thing that happened to me at Champlain. I, I fished up north. I would never really practice down south, and they had a red man tournament. Went out of South Bay. I ran from South Bay to Mizikoi, dude. Whoo! Did yeah. it take you like three days? It's something like that. I didn't make it back. Let's just put it that <laughs> way. <laughs> I literally tore my motor right off my boat, man. It was where, where, where did that happen? About halfway back. I was 52 miles. You made miles. it there, and yeah. you were halfway back. Yeah, 52 miles from the ramp. I, I All of a sudden, the boat sat down. I'm like, yo, I look back. The motor's like laying sideways, dude, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so we had big bags. We had big bags, and we get into a guy's boat. One boat coming past us. He picks us up. He gets a mile from the ramp and runs out of gas. Oh, I never man. even got a chance to weigh in, dude, oh. <laughs> you know? But 
it was it was just one of those stories you tell, you know, tournament fishing, man. It was it was it, the wind kicked up, man, and I got in that middle section, man, of, of oh, and there was nowhere nasty. to hide, dude. Yeah. Nowhere to hide at all, man. It was rougher than rough, man. Yeah. You know, but it was like a hundred and some miles. I ran one way, and uh, it, all the it, fish fifty up miles. There. Back. That's your style, though. <laughs> yeah. So I threw an anchor out, left my boat there, and uh, <laughs> you know there was I, I had to look for a ramp to to go back and uh, to try to find my boat, man. Actually, man, I had no idea. I knew it was fifty miles up the lake, dude. And we found a ramp, and I and a buddy of mine went, and he he we rode out there. It was like pitch black, eleven o'clock at night. Got my boat and towed it back to the ramp. <laughs> That's awesome. What'd you was, do with the motor? We kind of like just winched it on there, man. We got some straps and just had it hanging on there, dude. And it, you know, it's just <laughs> enough. I got the boat on the trailer with the trolling motor, and then we got straps just to hang the motor up, uh, dude. And it was, uh, yeah, you know, back one to of those Jersey things. we went. Yeah, and, and uh, <laughs> you know, back then I used to fish tournaments. I would do whatever, dude. I, you know, like the one tournament I ran from Far Frankfurt Arsenal to Middle River, dude. Yep. I remember. In a tournament, man. Uh, with a 150, dude. 18-foot boat. Uh, you know, For those insane. of you, it's, insane. It's, it's, he launched at one body of water, went, ran through a three, connecting three canal system. Three states to get there, baby. Three states. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. And But yeah. you won that. You won in that situation. I won the points. I didn't win the tournament, though, dude. Believe it yeah. or not, it was so tough on both places back then. In my uh. first cast, I caught a bluefish. Oh God! <laughs> on, a, on a jerk bait, man. <laughs> a blue. Told my partner, I got a big one, dude. The thing jumps up, and I see this big silver thing. What the heck is that, dude? Yeah. Re I realize it's, it's a bluefish, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, dude. It's crazy, man. It, 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 the most interesting thing about it was both of my partners were all excited. The guy gets in the boat in the morning, and he says, "Well, where are we fishing, man?" I said, "Well, we're on the Middle River," and he's like, "I never heard of that before." <laughs> 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 so we ran down there, and I never seen the guy on Champlain was all excited. We're going to see the whole lake, and I never seen either guy ever again, dude. And they were like diehard non-boaters, dude. Oh, it was man. so rough, man. It you was, ruined them. I did, man. Oh. Uh, put a big stress crack on my boat running back on, on the flats, man. It was it was brutal, dude. But back then, I would have done whatever it took to try to win, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, now I don't want to run. Yeah, I don't want to run twenty yards. Now I'm like, dude, you out of your mind? Was, <laughs> you know what I mean, dude? I'll fight nah. it out right here. <laughs> we're we're, we're, we're going to put the old yeah. tracks right yeah, here. Yeah, I'll, I'll, gonna... I'll fight it out right here, dude. I'm good, dude. What's it like five minutes back to the? Ah, it's yeah. a long run. Do you yeah, think yeah. we should get going? You know. <laughs> Yeah, I do well, all that again. I, I'm man. fishing Thousand Islands this year. <laughs> oh, what and, a story and that I, was! And I, I never forget this story. Yeah, like we're um, the, the waves are massive. It's like the they're <laughs> they're calling out of Canada three to four meter waves. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. the forecasted wave height. Yeah, and uh, they let us go, and you <laughs> you come out of the mouth of the the St. Lawrence. And the waves are so tall that everybody's turning around and going back. Yeah, yeah. But we all yeah, persisted. Yeah. Me, you, and Ike. We all we all persisted, and we we ran ten, twelve foot waves. That's because you didn't know what meters were. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's oh, true. it must be small. We're, we're yeah, yeah. Three, three, four. Yeah, three that's meters. Nothing. Oh yeah. man, that's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we get there, and um, you know, anyway, you and your guy had a good day. Yeah. And you guys smashed them in mm -hmm. that heavy. You somehow made it there. And something happened on your way back. We happened to be running next to each other. And, dude, I'll never forget. I look over, and the waves, like, you see Bob driving, but the waves are just coming right over his boat and his <laughs> chest. It's like they're just, 
It's yeah. he's it's he's level flotation, like we're in yeah. these giant swells, you know. And I'm looking over, and he's like Pete, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm pretending not to notice, you know. I'm like <laughs> exactly, <laughs> like, oh, he'll drive yeah. through it. He'll he'll yeah. make his way through. Yeah, he'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. a Boy Scout. He's good. <laughs> Give him a compass. So he, he he beaches it. This is the greatest because he beaches his boat. Uh. And and we're out there waiting for him, but there's there's no beach on yeah. Lake Ontario. It's all it's all rocks. Yeah, so for hundred yards, two hundred yards. So I remember, yeah. I remember you had. I think it was a Triton. Yeah, had. yeah. I remember he's got a fish tail, and he's driving his boat up on rock. Oh, so it does. So it boat. So he can get his boat again. Yeah, you know, and then to get it hit, pumped out, just to come in with me. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. happened to you, Bob? What happened to the boat? So. I it was like a two and a half hour run out there in the oh morning because it was so rough, dude. So I had three hours of fish. We caught a big bag, and what happened was, man, I was drifting. Back then we used to throw a drift sock out, remember? Yeah, yeah. And I threw the drift sock out, and all day I guess waves were breaking over my motor and whatnot, dude. And uh, bilge couldn't keep up. Right at the, no, at the end of the day, I wanted to take off. I told my partner, I said, "Let's go, man," because we I figured giving myself three hours to get back, and and uh, I. Mad at the throttle and it bogged down, and three rogue waves just boof broke right over the boat. It was instantaneous, dude. It was like boom, and I'm like, dude, you know, like sitting in a bathtub, dude, you know. And uh, so this dude completely lost his marbles, dude. He was freaking out because he had a really big bag too, and he does the dumbest thing he could possibly do. He opens the live well. And 20 pounds of smallmouth just jumped down into the bottom of the boat, and they're swimming around. He's trying to grab them and tackle them, dude. And what? it was like a bear because he was a big dude, yeah, man. Yeah, I remember you know? that guy. Yeah. It was like a bear, like trying to grab salmon, dude. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so I'm like, I'm like, dude, you know, we're kind of like hanging on the side of the boat at the time because we, yeah. you know, you couldn't really touch ground. The scariest thing that happened to me was the boat got lifted up. I got sucked under it. Oh. And I pushed off, and the boat crashed down on the rocks. This is I came up on the other side, and um, it was just one of those deals. And then, <laughs> you know, me and my partner split up, which well, because right? I'm looking, at him, I'm like, dude, your partner's big. Yeah, he was a big dude. And I'm man. like, I can't take your fish, you and your partner in these giant swells. Right, I mean, I don't. Right. So who who came and helped us? I think Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas. Yeah. So. We took, I took you, I guess, or yeah, your partner, yeah. and Joe took the other. So we had the two boats uh, came in, and uh, we had, it was a big rules violation. Yeah, it was. And my partner was in third place at the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, Dewey Kendrick, toughest nail yeah. on the planet. He, he says to us straight up, you're DQ'd. Now, my yeah. partner's pleading his case. I'm, I'm walking away away because yeah. i had enough dude you yeah. know yeah. <laughs> and i'm like thank like, thank i gotta go like, out tomorrow yeah. you know and, uh, but a plus plus but, you know like hey dude i've been dq'd before yeah I, yeah i yeah. know how this is gonna go right my partner's <laughs> begging you know to let him fish and do he's like all right this one time because we were kind of inside yeah. of each other whatever it was that was the and, rule because um, they were in sight of each other yeah and uh it, it let it so happen. the last day i went out and fished and it was a good choice for me i cash a good check and yeah. but so my boat it got literally pounded across the rocks <laughs> and was laying on its side in like three inches of water, dude. And you could see a line of gel coat for like 200 yards. Oh, my God. Where it just got pulverized, yeah. man. And, dude, every tackle box I had was like an aquarium. And yeah, it was yeah. cold. This is in the fall, dude. It was yeah. freezing cold. And, and uh, 
you know, I didn't even want to go fishing the last day. And we went out the <laughs> last day. It was flat. And uh, my partner, he's like, you know, I'll drive you out there. You run a troll motor and we'll go fishing. It was a good choice. I mean, we clobbered them the last yeah. day, man. But it was it was like one of those deals driving home. You're like, dude, what, you know. <laughs> What just happened to me, dude? <laughs> you know? I, uh, I, 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 my, I caused thirty thousand dollars worth of damage to my yeah, boat, man. and I, I made five grand. Yeah, 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 that's about the size <laughs> but, of it. Man. But the weird, the I remember being out there in the surf because what it was, dude. It was like the beach. Yeah, right. It was the waves insane, were breaking, dude. and I and I had to keep my boat out beyond the breakers. Yeah, we had to kind of like swim so out. So they the had to, they had to walk out to their chest. Uh, yeah. They they had one of those zip. Uh, um, tackle bags. Yeah. They put their fish in one of those zipper bags, yeah. which was brilliant, and put it over their shoulder and, and walked out to their necks and then had to swim out to me yeah. to be able to get in my – because if I went in even a little bit closer, I'd have been in the curl. Yeah. So they yeah. had to they had to dodge the curls. <laughs> the funniest thing I remember about it, because my partner, dude, he was three bills all day long. <laughs> <And> <laughs> looking back, and Joe Thomas and his partner trying to pull the guy over the gunnel by his pants, dude. <laughs> I was like, he, he barely made it, dude. And I saw the back end of the boat sit down a little bit more. I'm like thinking, they're not going to get in, dude. There's no way. <laughs> you know? Oh, dude. Sometimes, man, fishing, some of the stories. At the time uh, it wasn't priceless funny, but yeah it was priceless i, I remember we went we all got out there and, and we somehow found a place to yeah to get your trailer near the water and, and like i don't know six or eight of us yeah. grabbed the boat lifted and lifted it up on the trailer yeah and, and what got, the hell, what the hell good stories are they going to talk about now? Like, yeah, remember the time we went out in the hard rain? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the, yeah. Most, the most they amazing thing. They canceled tournaments for the most yeah, ridiculous yeah. shit. And, uh, we fished for like two hours <laughs> in hard rain before <laughs> they canceled it. We yeah. had a dangerous fog delay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <dude>. yeah. <laughs> I, I hate that. I wish they'd go back to the Cowboys. Remember days, John man. almost walked off the dock? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of walking off the dock, did you ever tell you the time my partner fell in at the Hudson River? That was another tragedy, dude. <laughs> You know, another Was big... that the one that took place at the launch? Yeah, yeah. yeah Everybody's I... like, Sully, I seen you push him in, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a big dude, and I came up to the to the dock, and the current's ripping, dude. And I grabbed the pole, and he was a big dude. And he, I had to step back, and once I stepped back, my boat started to drift away. And the dude just did a split. Oh, dude, you know? he did the split. And he had his stuff on my boat, and he washed up on the, the mud, and he's just laying on his side, dude. And I was like, dude, you're going to fish or what, man, you know? And he's like, no, nah, I don't think I'm going. So I just put his stuff on the dock, and, and uh, I, talk, <laughs> I yelled at Hutchinson, yo, dude, I ain't got a partner, you know. So they gave me Kirkpatrick, I think, as a partner, man. But <laughs> it was insane, dude, some of the stuff that used to happen uh, to us out there fishing, man, that, you know. Yeah, it was, that, was, that was crazy. I saw Todd Sage. Uh, Todd, Todd yeah. fishing again. Yeah. I see That's him all, good, man. all the time. And, yeah. and he fished with us years and years ago. Yeah. Good to see him. Absolutely. But, uh, but Rich, we got a Facebook like and share, guys. If you like yeah. and share over on Facebook, uh, we're giving away a cool prize. Rich is going to be picking a winner here real soon. Yep. Do we have anything else going on tonight? BTC. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah, we got a, uh, grand, a grand prize. prize. Um, I'm going to go ahead and throw that question out on the board now. Um, and we need a specific answer for this, guys. We're looking for a very specific word. Why does Bob choose to use lead? on his soft plastics as opposed to tungsten why does bob choose to use lead on Good his question. soft plastics opposed to tungsten what was the reason for how it makes the bait work 
Yes. Good, good question. Uh, that's our trivia question for yeah, tonight. That's for, uh, and that's for a pair of Hobie sunglasses and some Bash University official gear. Yeah, yep. they they dope, yo. I, apparent, I need more than one pair, guys. I I lose them when I fall in. Yeah, the um, <laughs> yeah, the uh, amber lenses are the dude. There's two other lenses. Charles just showed them to me the other day. Mm-hmm. They're nice. I've got to get them. Yeah. Really well, you nice. need. They make you feel like you put them on. You just feel smarter. You know, like you could see more. Yeah. You figure stuff out. I, amber kind of see through people. Like I don't know what you're <laughs> up to. Amber lenses are key. They're, br- they are. they're brighter. They can give you better. It's what I fish out of ninety percent of the time. Yeah. yeah. The dark lenses are great and and in bright light conditions and even when you're running, they're great for running. But uh, but yeah, when I'm fishing and want to get depth penetration, I love that that yellowish amber lens. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's the deal. So guys, on this question, I'm seeing uh, a lot of answers that are close coming through, like reduced fall, slower fall. All want, that stuff. I want to hear but that we word. Hear, what was that word? We want to hear the specific word mm. that affects the rate of the fall. Okay? So the specific word that affects the rate of the fall, what was that? That's yeah. for the grand prize in tonight's show. I don't even know the answer to that question. Mm. I do. <laughs> well, we've got Champlain coming up with the, the Bassmaster Elite Tournament. And uh, That's it, right. it is going to be – it's July now. Now, typically, uh, it's going to be interesting to see, but July is one Ticonderoga, mm-hmm. or it's one on largemouth, or it's one with a mixed bag of largemouth and smallmouth up in the northern extremities. Yeah. Uh, occasionally, it's one with pure post-spawn smallmouth. Yeah. Oh, we got a winner. Occasionally. Who we got? Who we got? Caden Argyle. Yeah, And right. the correct answer is the drag – that's right. That drag. it puts on the bait. The lead with the larger profile creates Dude. more drag as it's going through the water. Congratulations, Caden Argyle. You won yourself a pair of Hobie sunglasses, my man. Awesome. Good work. Now, that's a Bass awesome. University student right there. Absolutely. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Sorry. Well, we're going to, guys, we're going to do a, a give. Riz is going to pick the winner of the Facebook like and share. Yeah. And, uh. We are going to have another Bash University live next Tuesday night. Tuesday. we got a lot of stuff going on. Um, we've got uh, iCast coming up. You're going to see some social posting from the Bash University uh, down from iCast. And we've got a, a lot of amazing stuff coming soon. We're going to be having Bash University classes. Uh, we plan on classes opening back up. COVID has been... Uh, it's been crazy for us. but You don't say that word. <laughs> yeah. You're going to look for us uh, next year. It's been great. The um, the remote classes that we've had on our Zoom Bash University classes, a bunch of great uh, people participating and uh, some of the best seminars and appreciate everybody for participating in that stuff. And uh, a lot of that, all that stuff is going to be released and has been released already on Bash University TV. I want to thank Bob Soley. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for having me. Man, it was awesome. It was. I haven't, it was. I, I, reliving those stories was priceless. It is, man. Not for me so much. I mean, you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> probably, probably some, yeah. uh, you know, I still have some pain in my body from yeah. some of those trips, but it, it was a lot of fun back then. And like we talked about, those are the things I miss fishing, you know, the most was hanging out with you guys yeah. and everybody doing good. And, it's kind of funny. It seems like when they, you know I room with you, you tend to win. So you know what I mean, dude. I, 
Out Champlain's next week. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, come, man. Come so on up, man. I, I I have a feeling you're gonna have a strong tournament there, man. It's your it's in your wheelhouse, I, dude. I, I love it. I just it's funny how so, certain bodies of water you get on and you just yeah. you feel better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? It yeah. it doesn't even matter if you're not catching them because you know you're gonna at some point right. you're gonna figure something out. And you right. just feel at home, and that's one of the bodies of water for me. I can't go there enough. Look forward. To that term, that's going to be a Toyota series, and I'll keep you guys posted on all that stuff. Yeah, it should be good. Yep, Rich, we got a we got a winner yet? Yes, we do. Um, our winner of tonight's Facebook like and share is Neil Scroggins. Neil Scroggins from Isla, Georgia. Congratulations, Neil Scroggins! Nice. Thank you for supporting the Bash University live. Yes, thank you very much. BTC, we done? Yes. Uh, Dan Handcuff, what is breaking Rich's knot? He said that's not what what's breaking your knot. But then did not offer the answer. Dan, uh, Dan over on YouTube. What, what, what what's is breaking it? my knot then? Yeah. What Dog, is come on. No, but they do. You you, you can put a uh, a little rubber bead in front of it. I yeah. actually bought some. Yeah. yeah guy, there's some suggestions there. Like I've had guys that will not throw tungsten without a plastic sheath. Yeah. yeah. They only will use that because of breakage. Yeah. Uh, well, the knot you're tying is the right knot. Yeah. My my that's what I use. The tungsten I'm using is whatever's in the cup holder of my basket. I, so. I got strength yeah. for that. <laughs> I know the struggle. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> we gotta yeah. get you some VMC. That yeah. stuff that stuff's tight. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. It's beveled. It's nice. It'll it'll get it done. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for watching. Thanks, Bob Soli. Uh, Bob. Appreciate you hanging out. It was a lot of fun. That was a lot all of that fun. Stuff. Yeah, great show. Yeah, it's yeah, good, it's good stuff. Look for us next Tuesday night and a lot of great stuff coming at Bash University TV. Thanks for hanging out with us. Have a great night, everybody. Good fishing. I'm Pete Gluzak. We'll see you soon. moment on the water not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network, products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together, the One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. Tackle Warehouse is proud to sponsor the FLW Pro Circuit and is the official tackle retailer of FLW. Providing proven bass fishing gear as well as the newest and hottest tackle. Our friendly and knowledgeable customer service staff can help you every step of the way. And we offer free ground shipping on orders over $50. Tackle Warehouse. Everything for the bass angler at the lowest prices. Guaranteed. I have to be constantly on the lookout for new techniques to stay on the top of my game. Giant. Some have been more Giant. successful oh God, than others. Giant. The finesse fingernail. Happens every time. The chain gang. Oh ah, broke it off. The crow's nest. Never let go. And don't even get me started on tackle management, especially trying to stop rust and corrosion. Peanut butter. 
Mmm, that's good. Motor oil. Gotta keep the rust off all these baits. WD-40. Gotta keep the rust off. Silica, toothpicks, Q-tips, the list goes on and on. I'm hard on tackle, I fish fast, I need my tackle organized and protected. I can't be worrying about losing baits to rust. And when it comes to tackle management, there's only one solution. Flambeau Tackle Storage Systems with Z-Rust Technology. The original anti-rust tackle box. Uncompromised clarity. Renowned durability. The infused anti-rust option that is FDA safe and free of harmful chemicals. The organization options are endless, but there's only one. One box, one anti-corrosion technology, one family-owned American-made brand, Flambeau. Z-Rust Tackle Solutions. Preserve, perform, repeat. moment on the water not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together, the One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. Tackle Warehouse is proud to sponsor the FLW Pro Circuit and is the official tackle retailer of FLW. Providing proven bass fishing gear as well as the newest and hottest tackle. Our friendly and knowledgeable customer service staff can help you every step of the way. And we offer free ground shipping on orders over $50. Tackle Warehouse. Everything for the bass angler at the lowest prices. Guaranteed. I have to be constantly on the lookout for new techniques to stay on the top of my game. Giant. Some have been more Giant. successful oh God, than others. Giant. The finesse fingernail. Happens every time. The chain gang. Oh ah, broke it off. The crow's nest. Never let go. And don't even get me started on tackle management, especially trying to stop rust and corrosion. Peanut butter. Hmm, that's good. Motor oil. Gotta keep the rust off all these baits. WD-40. Gotta keep the rust off. Silica, toothpicks, Q-tips, the list goes on and on. I'm hard on tackle, I fish fast, I need my tackle organized and protected. I can't be worrying about losing baits to rust. And when it comes to tackle management, there's only one solution. Flambeau Tackle Storage Systems with Z-Rust Technology. The original anti-rust tackle box. Uncompromised clarity. Renowned durability. The infused anti-rust option that is FDA safe and free of harmful chemicals. 
The organization options are endless, but there's only one. One box, one anti-corrosion technology, one family-owned American-made brand, Flambo Z-Rust Tackle Solutions. Preserve, perform, repeat. Find what you are looking for. Catch more fish. Have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Aquaview, the leader in underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for. Catch more fish. Have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Aquaview, the leader in underwater viewing technology.